0: Plus. recorded live hi everybody um, this is Lewis Ewing um, pro se winners uh, a few minutes after five o'clock um, first thing I'd like to tell people um, is about practicing law uh, I saw this recently on a um, one of the fight comments they made a comment indirectly about me and i know it was about me because i put out an email that basically says i make my living undercutting attorneys and they were putting a warning out there this is a a well-known fight cps group they were putting a warning up on their website don't oh, be careful who you call to You're the only hired a member of the bar well it makes me suspect that these people be paid opposition a government plant Or maybe somebody who just really doesn't understand. There's a lot of people out there, folks, that are ignorant of the law. And the attorneys will brainwash you into, oh, no, no, nobody can practice law but an attorney who's a member of the bar. Okay. Now, folks, I just posted links to 2.48170, 180, and 190. So I'm going to point out the misconceptions that the bar attorneys are putting out about so-called practicing law. Okay. If you click on that link, 2.48170, where it talks about only active members may practice bar, go down to the section where it says provided that a member of the bar in good standing, other state or jurisdiction shall be entitled to appear in the courts of this state. Okay? The fact is, Kurt Riggin is the lead count, is the judicial officer for the Kikiallis Indian Tribe. Okay, I'm lead counsel for the Kickapoo Indian Tribe. Now, although Kickapoo Indian Tribe is not a, yet a federally recognized tribe, okay, uh, it has been formally uh, acknowledged and recognized by the state legislature. Uh, uh, was there Senator Mary Margaret Hogan introduced a, a bill before the legislature giving recognition to the Kickapoo Tribe? Now, go to the other. Uh, 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 statute, uh, former 2.48190, Qualifications on Admissions to Practice Law, which reads in part, quote, that an attorney of another state may appear as counselor in a court of this state without admission. That's right, folks, without admission. I do not have to be admitted by the Washington State Supreme Court Bar. Okay, so let me read that again. That an attorney of another state may appear as counselor in a court of this state without admission, upon satisfying the court, that his or her state grants the same right to attorneys of this state. Now, the attorneys who are members of the bar will lie to you. They'll look you right in the face, and they will lie to you. The judges will lie to you, and the prosecutors will lie to you. We're talking about job security. We're talking about job protection. Okay, this is basically they're trying to create an illegal monopoly of, of the court system. And keep in mind, folks, the Washington Association is not part of the state of Washington government. I've got case law that lays out that they very carefully drafted the original Washington State Bar Act to, to so as to avoid this question. Yeah, they're hiding it. They're keeping it secret. But the case law says it's only to be known as, that's right, to be known as the Washington State Bar Association. It's associated with the state, but it is not a part of it. It is not a part of our state government. Otherwise, by law, look up Google the word seat of the government case for Washington State, okay? By law, if the Washington State Bar Association was part of our state government, it would be required to have its main office at the seat of government in Olympia, Washington. We would have an elected official running it in charge of it that would be held accountable to the public. No, but we have a bunch of uh, morons, okay, criminals, Okay, that have infiltrated the bar and have taken it over. People say, "No, Lewis, it's only one or two, uh, it's only one or two attorneys that are dishonest." Bullshit. Okay, I'm not saying every attorney is dishonest, but I'm saying most of them are. There are good attorneys out there, and they're very few and far between. Okay, but they will only push things so far because they're scared of being disbarred. The bar has total control over all their attorneys, but. This Fight CPS group, they put something up there that I know that they were referring to me, the fightcps.com. Uh, there's a section about warning who is approaching you to get money. They might be a ripoff artist or a scammer or something. All that person is doing is helping the bar. All that person is doing is helping the government. I'm going to point out on this show as we go along that you were far better off, scared, scared shitless, not knowing what to do, hiring me to do your legal writing okay, then you are to go into court with any attorney, okay? Now, I'm going to prove to you that you do not have to be a member of the bar, okay? 2.48170, only active members may practice law, reads in part, quote, provided that a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or, that's a disjunctive word, or jurisdiction shall be entitled to appear in the courts of this state. Okay, folks, if I really wanted to practice law in Washington state courts, I'd be able to jam it down their throats and force them to allow me to do that. If I wanted to do that. But you know what, folks? I don't want to represent people. Okay? People say, well, Lewis, you could make a lot more money and join the bar and fight them from within. And and you win a lot of cases, make a lot of money, and you get rich. Well, folks, you know, getting rich isn't my only motivation. You know, it's, you know, making, I I make enough to get by, but I'm far from rich. Okay? if I was to go into court and represent you, I would be lowering myself to the level of a scumbag attorney. Now, here's the problem, folks. The reason why I don't join the bar, okay? Here's the reason why I don't join the bar. Joining the bar would be like selling my soul to the devil, okay? Joining the bar is like joining the mafia. Once you're in, you cannot get out, okay? And I will read you the statutes to show this to you, and I will explain to you. Uh, and you'll be able to see this from reading the links that I've posted, that they can't charge anybody with unauthorized practice of law who is not now and has never been a member of the bar. They can only regulate and control and suspend or disbar or revoke the privilege of practicing law of its own members. They have no authority to regulate me, disbar me, bar me, suspend me or revoke me because i've never been barred by them therefore they cannot disbar me now here's another reason why folks common sense tells you this everybody has a right to quote represent themselves i don't like that word but if you want to call it that call it that okay you have the right to defend yourself okay in that case and they say you even have the right to be a fool you know the person who has a Represents himself, has a fool for a client. Well, that's half true, and it's half a lie, and I'll, you know, I'll explain that to you folks also. Um, the truth is, anybody who represents themselves not only has a fool for a client, but has a fool for an attorney because the attorneys don't even know this. Folks, did you know that everybody volunteers to go to jail, okay? When they hire an attorney, go read Argersinger versus Hamlin. I'll post a quote later. You guys are going to laugh at this, but I've discovered the key to where former Judge, Supreme Court Judge Bork said 20-something, 30 years ago, everybody volunteers to go to prison. That's right, folks, everybody volunteers to go to prison. Go read Sr. versus Hamlin. Uh, without even looking at the quote, I'll tell you basically what it says. It says, uh, uh, like a message to all the judges in the land. Um, let, this, let this be a message to all the judges in the land. There's only one thing worse than ineffective assistance of counsel, and that's having no counsel at all. We will not allow you to send a man to the county jail or to prison unless he's represented by a lawyer at trial. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, that's the key. I don't want to be fucking represented. That's right, folks. If you allow yourself to be represented, you're going to jail when they find you guilty. But guess what? If you're not represented and they take you to trial and find you guilty and you weren't represented at trial, they can't legally send you to jail because you never waived your rights to counsel. Okay, th- folks, this could literally empty all the prisons across the United States if this was to get out. Okay, but they'll, they'll find a way to kibosh it or, or, or something. But the truth is, every single person in federal prison right now did not waive their rights to counsel because they were not told they had a right to the assistance of counsel. Oh, no, no, they were represented by an attorney. Folks, representation and assistance of counsel are not synonymous terms. They're mutually exclusive. So everybody who hired an attorney or hired a lawyer or allowed a public defender to represent them, when they lost their case, I don't care if they were guilty of murder, rape, robbery, or murder, they volunteered to go to prison when they allowed themselves to to be represented by an attorney who is a member of the bar, and they never knowingly waived their right to counsel. That's right. Now, the judge will tell you when he appoints you counsel, appoints you an attorney, that's your attorney, and, and, and and he's representing you, and that's your assistant to counsel. No, 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 no. They did not inform you of that. The case law says in order for you to waive a right, you must be first fully informed of what all your rights are. Because you can't waive a right that you didn't know that you didn't have. You can't waive a right if you didn't know about the right. Okay? If they didn't inform you of the right, then you weren't fully informed. And guess what? That means you never waived your right. That's right. Every person in prison right now, even those who are guilty of rape, robbery, and murder, are illegally imprisoned. Based upon the conspiracy of all the judges the conspiracy of all the U.S. attorneys in federal courts, the conspiracy of all the state superior court judges, the conspiracy of all the county prosecutors in every single county and every state, and the conspiracy of every city attorney to violate your right to the assistance of counsel. Look it up, folks. Look up the term assistance. Look at counsel. Read assistance of counsel. Pull every dictionary definition, and then go pull every dictionary definition of representation. They are not synonymous terms. Assistance of counsel and representation are mutually exclusive. So the attorney say, well, Mr. you can only represent somebody in the tribal court. No. 2.48170 says only active members may practice law. Well, part of it says that a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or jurisdiction shall be entitled to appear in the courts of the state. Folks, guess what? That's called reciprocity, okay? The very second I was authorized to practice law before the Muckleshoot Tribal Court, okay, by former state superior court judge Carolyn Dimick, who is now a United States District Federal Court judge, she authorized me to practice law about, geez, like 15, 16 years ago, okay? Subsequently, I've been authorized to practice law before the Tulalip Tribal Court, okay? But my certificate there is expired, Okay? Uh, in Tulalip, they actually give uh, an issuance date and an expiration date, and you have to you know, pay the dues every so often to renew your certificate. Well, I let it expire because I don't get up to Snohomish County very often. Uh, I've also been subsequently been authorized to practice law before the Puyallup Tribal Court. The Puyallup Tribal Court, and also uh, most recently, about a year and a half ago, the Quinault. Out here in Grays Harbor County, where I live now, I am also authorized to practice law before the Quinault Tribal Court. Now, here's something the bar attorneys don't want you folks to know. Um, I'll have to pull it at the library next time I get a chance. But the older versions of, uh, I think of Amjur or Corpus Juris, the case law talks about practicing law, that once you are authorized to practice law, under the common law, You are forever authorized to practice law to such a time as that you are either disbarred or found guilty of a felony crime, which is actually self-executing, not upon the conviction or the finding of the judgment being entered. If you committed a, a violation of any statute that's considered to be a felony under the law, you're supposed to be automatically disbarred. Well, in Washington State, judges don't follow the law, and the best example of that is Bobby Bridge. Okay, felony hit-and-run driver was never charged with felony hit-and-run. But I saw the TV broadcast, okay, of the people testifying that they circled around her car when when she hit somebody drunk driving. She tried to escape by ramming her cars back and forth and ramming these people's cars. That's called felony hit-and-run <laughs> or attempted felony hit-and-run, okay, uh, crazy drunk driver Bobby Bridge. But there it is, folks, Two point four eight one seventy I'm repeating this for the stupid bar members, okay? Because they just don't understand this. That a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or jurisdiction. Well, guess what, folks? A tribal court in the Indian reservation is another jurisdiction, and it's another state. Yes, right. That's right, folks. 18 U.S.C. Section 1154. Let me post these statutes in the board. You guys can go Google these after the show, and look these statutes up. These statutes, 18 U.S.C. 1154. 18 U.S.C. 1161 and 25 U.S.C. 3631 define an Indian reservation, okay, as being Indian country. Well, somebody's going to say, what does it make a state? Yes, it does. Go look at the dictionary definitions of country, folks, and look at the dictionary definitions of state. Guess what? They're synonymous terms. Country uses the word state to define it, and state also uses the word country to define it. Okay, they are synonymous. So under 2.4870, Kurt Reagan and Lewis Ewing automatically qualify to practice law in all the courts of the state under 2.48170, provided that a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or jurisdiction shall be entitled to appear in the courts of the state. Okay, so Kurt Reagan and I don't have to take the bar. We don't have to be admitted by the Washington State Supreme Court. Okay, there are statutes. Okay, that 2.48190, let's go over that again. That an attorney of another state may appear as counselor in a court of this state without admission. Upon satisfying the court that his or her state grants the same right to attorneys of this state. Well, guess what, folks? It was about 14, 15 years ago. In the King County Superior Court cause number, I'll post it on the board, Okay, zero one two I'll post it on the board. You guys can look this up, okay? Can I get you a squaw? I'd like to get myself a squaw first. <laughs> there it is, folks. King County Superior Court cause number. They were preparing to arrest me uh, about 13, 14, 15 years ago. When I went into the King County Regional Justice Center in Kent, Washington, with a client who hired me to represent him. You you fucking Washington State Bar members are so goddamn fucking stupid. You you wouldn't know the law if I hit you over the head with a fucking law book, okay? And it was really funny, folks. Uh, There's a girl girl that I knew uh, um, in high school and college days uh, when I was a University of Washington student. There was a court clerk, and I was coming into the building... And to the court clerks, before I got to the court, she wiggled her finger at me, come over, and, she, and I go, what, what's up? She goes, I don't think you should go into court today. And, and, and I said, why not? She goes, well, because they're going to arrest you. I said, for what? And she said, for unauthorized practice of law. They brought in Dale Rammerman. I said, that name's familiar. Who's he? Well, folks, Dale Rammerman is the most senior judge in the King County court system. He's been the presiding judge of, of the King County Superior Courts for probably almost 20 years. Uh, he's been there for a long time. Okay, so they brought him from downtown Seattle. Okay, normally Terry Lukens is the boss judge there in Kent, Washington, at the King County Regional Justice Center. But they brought in Dale Rammerman, especially for me. And when I went to the court, I noticed there's like four cops lying in the – you know, sitting in the back of the courtroom. Okay, and – okay, this is interesting. So I come to the front of the courtroom when they call my client's name, Timothy Lay Tweet, Tweety Bird, drunk driver, uh, who – I forced them to bring to the court by a writ of habeas corpus um, that was uh, granted by the honest black lady judge. I don't remember her name. She probably got in a lot of trouble granting that because uh, uh, they actually got the application for the writ of habeas corpus hearing granted. They summoned forth the body. Ultimately, my habeas corpus was denied, and the judge converted it basically to a personal restraint petition on the spot and denied the habeas corpus. But... I prevailed in the sense that the judge made a specific finding based upon the briefing that I put in my application for writ of habeas corpus that judge Patrick burns um, had committed double jeopardy uh by charging my client uh I forget how many counts twenty eight something counts of uh, violating one no contact order so he was trying. He was jealous of Judge Hammermaster. He wanted to be the known as the judge that would give the most ridiculous sentences. Patrick Burns. He, he's a dumbass. Uh, a judge that deserves no respect. Okay, folks. These judges are pissed off because I badmouth them on the internet. Well, let me point out something. I will honor honorable judges like Judge Richard Sanders. Richard Sanders wrote the dissenting opinion of State versus Valentine, and told honestly that this man, Mr. Valentine, should have never been found guilty of resisting arrest. The only place he had bruises was on his face. Okay? The only place the cops had bruises was on their knuckles. So apparently the judges at the Washington State Supreme Court are so criminally corrupt, they would uphold a conviction of a man being found guilty of resisting arrest with his face. And Judge Sanders was the only honest judge on the bench who deserves respect for telling the truth. And then, you know, what these piece of shit judges on the bench will say, well, we only make our decisions based upon the uh, the arguments the attorneys put in front of us. We have to remain unbiased. Bullshit, folks, okay? It's supposed to be about truth and justice. That's what it's supposed to be about. I right, See, I love the law. I study the law, and I look at what it says, and I'm like the little kid who points and says, look, the emperor is naked, and I like to expose this. Uh, folks you what they're doing they are intentionally losing cases they have control of all the bar members so anyway I posted that case there another thing you guys want to look at is if you google the territorial code 25 and 3276 Okay, I traced my right to practice law back to the territorial code. But before I go into and read that quote, I want to point out again, folks, since 18 U.S.C. 1154, 18 U.S.C. 1161, and 25 U.S.C. 3631, specifically defined an Indian reservation as being Indian country, and when you look up the dictionary definitions, it, it uses the word state to define it. So an Indian reservation qualifies as another state or another jurisdiction. So 2.48170 says I'm entitled to practice law in all the courts of this state and that if I satisfy the judge, okay, uh, that I, I'm a member of the bar in good standing somewhere else or other jurisdiction, I shall be entitled to practice in the courts of this state without admission by satisfying the courts of his or state his or her state grants the same rights attorneys in this state. So guess what, folks? The very second I was authorized to practice law before any federally recognized tribal court, I was automatically grandfathered in and granted automatic reciprocity to practice law in all the courts of the state of Washington if I were to so to choose to do that. But I choose not to do that. I do not want to represent people, okay, because I will be walking you down the plank. I will be the traitor, like all the other attorneys, who walks you down the plank without disclosing to you that I'm violating your rights to the Sixth Amendment to the assistance of counsel. Okay, go read the Sixth Amendment, folks. It says, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. And the leading cases on that, folks, is Ferretta versus California and Gideon versus Wainwright. So I'm going to post those sites on the board so you guys can pull these cases Okay. Doesn't say anything about a right to be represented in the sixth amendment. Let me read that again, folks. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. This is I'm gonna prove to you folks, the attorneys, the judges are lying to you. The prosecutors are lying to you. This is why the judges and the prosecutors and all the attorneys hate me, because I'm exposing the fact that they are traitors. These people are committing treason against all American citizens, and treasons against the Constitution. Article 1, Section 22 of the Washington State Constitution says, since they've amended it, I'm going to show you the scam, folks. Section 22, right to the accused. In criminal prosecutions, the accused shall have the right to appear and defend in person or by counsel to demand the nature and cause of the accusation against him. Well, folks, I'm going to point out something there. That's bullshit. The crooked attorneys that infiltrated our legislature are going in there and amending the Constitution without legal authorization. We did not hold a constitutional convention to amend the Constitution to give them authority to change a fundamental right, the right to the assistance of counsel under the Sixth Amendment. They did this to trick you. Folks, this is the reason why judges make such a big stink about if you want to, quote, represent yourself, you have to agree on the record to waive your right to counsel. No, 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 no. I demand assistance of counsel. We have a choice. You can represent yourself or you can be represented by an attorney. No, I can reject representation all day long legally, okay? You can't claim by rejecting representation that I rejected assistance of counsel unless you can prove that those two things mean the same thing. No, they're violating my rights by forcing me uh, uh, to military representation, Okay? I'm not in the military, folks. Okay, this is a very important thing. I'm going to, I'm going to before I get to the military thing, I'm going to show you the, the scam. The original text of Article One, Section Twenty-Two, Rights of the Accused Person. It says, in criminal prosecution, the accused shall have the right to appear and defend in person and by counsel to demand the nature and cause of accusation against him, to have a copy thereof. Now, folks, see the original phony Constitution. Was worded in the conjunctive. Okay, here's the thing. Do you folks? Let me explain this to you. Do you want an apple or an orange? Okay, obviously I give you a choice of an apple or an orange. You have a choice of one or the other, but you don't have the choice of both. The judges will tell you and lie to you and say you have you have the choice, Mr. Ewing. You have the you can represent yourself or you can be represented by an attorney. You can't have both. You can't be co counsel with your own attorney. That's bullshit. That's what assistance to counsel means, folks, co-counsel. Now, it doesn't mean that you folks who have no training in the law can take lead position. Obviously, you would have to take the subordinate p- position. Okay. An attorney knows how to conduct a boy or dyer. They know how to prepare jury instructions. They've had training uh, to be like a paralegal and write legal pleadings. They know court rules. They know the rules of evidence. They know court procedures. So obviously, the attorneys can have to take lead position. But you have the right to the assistance counsel. That means you have the right to co-counsel. You have the right to dictate what you want him to do. No, no, no. They don't want that. They want the attorney to be the bitch in charge, okay?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, bullshit, okay? An attorney really is nothing more than an agent. Look up the law of agent and principle. Look up the term proxy or substitute, okay? We have the right to control the attorneys. But back to the Constitution, they've amended it illegally. The attorneys have illegally infiltrated the legislature in violation of the separation of power doctrine, okay, and they're in there screwing around with the law books to take away our fundamental rights or to alter our rights and diminish our rights and provide us less rights. That's illegal. They have no authority to do that. They should all be hanged by the neck until dead or lined up to a firing squad and shot by the Army, Marines, Air Force, and National Guard and and there's a lying piece of shit attorney that I want you folks to call him up. His name's Assistant Attorney General Peter K. He tells lies in court, telling the judge at open court, Mr. Ewing's threatening all attorneys. He's threatening to kill judges. No, I did not make a direct threat toward anybody, you dumb motherfucker. Okay? I have the right to the freedom of speech. This is sensationalism, uh, sensational journalism. Folks, I'm the Jerry Springer, Vern Funk, and Howard Stern of legal advertising. So fuck you, Peter K. I have the right to say fuck you. Even Judge Hull acknowledged this. This is funny thing, that one of the only honest things that Judge Hull said when I read him a case law for the Ninth Circuit, uh, White versus Pierce County, uh, where an officer arrested somebody for flipping him the middle finger and saying fuck you, pig, or whatever, to the cop. And I read the case quotes in open court, and I said, well, Your Honor, I said the case... Says I have the right to say fuck you to police officers. That's a First Amendment fundamental right. And he goes, I agree with you, Mr. Ewing. And I said, well, therefore, Your Honor, under equal protection of the law, I have the right to say fuck you to all you judges, all you assistant attorney generals, all your brainless bimbo social workers, and all the stupid lying bitch guardian ad litem. That's my First Amendment constitutional right. And then Judge Holt, the only honest thing, one of the only honest things he said, Mr. Ewing, you're absolutely right, and I agree with you. <laughs> Isn't that funny, folks? Okay. Uh, But, folks, they changed it to disjunctive. Conjunctive, do you want an apple and an orange? See, now I'm giving you a choice of both. The original text, again, in criminal prosecution, the accused shall have the right to appear and defend in person and by counsel to demand the nature and the cause of the accusation to have a copy thereof. Okay. This is consistent with the original, the real Constitution, folks. Okay, um, Article V, Declaration of Rights, Section 13 of the only valid 1889 Constitution that was approved, reviewed, in order to be published by Congress on January 28, 1889, states, quote, Section 13, in criminal prosecutions, the accused shall have the right to appear and defend in person and by counsel. They're tricking you into being represented in a military court. These state judges are illegally conducting a courts martial against you. They have no right to do that. Now, you want proof of that? Go to RCW Title 1.16.090. I got this from Lloyd Smith, okay? Legislative Declaration for Civil Liberties Day of Remembrance. The legislature recognizes that on February 19, 1942, the President of the United States issued Executive Order 9066 which authorized military rule over civilian law and lives. That's right, folks. We are under martial law, and the RCW says it right now at 1.16090. Okay, I object to the right to be represented, folks, because that exists only in a military courtroom. You want proof? Go look at RCW 38.38.376, subsection 1. Okay, here's what says the title heading thirty eight thirty eight three seven six Article thirty eight Duties of Trial Counsel and Defense Counsel. Subsection one. The trial counsel of a general or special courts martial shall prosecute in the name of the state and shall under the direction of the court prepare the record of the proceedings. Two the accused has the right to be represented in his or her defense before a general or special courts martial or at an investigation under RCW thirty eight thirty eight three sixteen as provided in this subsection. There you go proof. There you go folks, proof that all the judges in this state and every single state in the United States is committing treason against the people. They're illegally conducting a, a general or special court martial upon civilians during times of peace. Oh, no, no. We have the war on drugs. We have the war on crime. When are we going to have the war against child prostitution in the Pentagon and in the White House? Seriously. When are we going to have the war on prostitution of children against CPS and, and and line up all the CPS soldiers to a firing squad and have them shot Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force. When is that going to happen, folks? Now, you want more proof? Where does this come from? The right to be represented? It's in a statute. It's not a right. It's statutory privilege. Okay? RCW uh, 10 US... No, not RCW. 10 you know, the United States Code. Google, folks. Google United States Code. Title 10, United States Code, Section 838, Sections AB1. Um... I'll post this on the board so you guys can get it. This proves that we're we're getting scammed. We are being illegally court-martialed. Okay? And it is a war on Christians. Um, RCW 3838-376, subsections 1 and 2. Yeah, You guys are going to want to look that up, too. So um, I'll post this on the board so you guys can go look up the statutes. Okay? There's no such thing as a right to be represented. It's a statutory privilege under the martial law statutes. Uh, Title 10, Subtitle A, Part 2, Chapter 47, Subchapter VIII, Section 838. Okay, Section 838, Article 38, Duties of Trial Counsel, Defense Counsel. The trial counsel of a general or special courts marshal shall prosecute in the name of the United States and shall, under the direction of the court, prepare the record of the proceedings. b one the accused has the right to be represented in his defense before a general or special courts martial or in an investigation under Section 832 of this title, Article 32, as provided in this subsection. Okay, folks, I am not in the regulated militia, and I'm not in the unregulated militia. Go look it up, folks. RCW 38. There's proof right now. Every single court. Every single administrative agency, every single department, it says it right in RCW 38, is under the direct control and supervision of the military. Okay, we are getting fucked, folks, by traitors wearing black Jesuit robes of treason. Okay, this is why the judges don't like me because I'm the little kid who points and shows you that the emperor is naked and I show you the proof, the truth that all of these people are are ripping us off. We're getting ripped off everywhere we go, okay? You have any kind of a problem? Whose court do you go to? Okay, who can you get to represent you? All members of the bar. All members of the bar, every single one of them. Okay, so let's go back to um, the thing on... Oh, let me get to the site on Argersinger v. Hamlin. I just found it. Okay, I'm going to read you the quote uh, from Argersinger v. Hamlin before I post the quote on the board. We hold that no person may be deprived of his liberty who has been denied the assistance of counsel as guaranteed by the Sixth Amendment. This holding is applicable to all criminal prosecutions, including prosecutions for violation of municipal ordinances. The denial of assistance of counsel will preclude the imposition of a jail sentence. Under the rule we announced today, every judge will know, when the trial of a misdemeanor starts, that no imprisonment may be imposed, even though local law permits it. Unless the accused is represented by counsel, he will have a measure of the seriousness and gravity of the offense, and therefore know when to name a lawyer to represent the accused before the trial starts. Well, guess what folks, there's the key. To not going to jail, I've actually kept two clients in the North Carolinas, okay, from going to prison, even though they were found guilty of income tax evasion and guilty of willful failure to file, and because they were found guilty, uh, uh, because they were business partners, they were also found guilty of a client conspiracy in violation of 18 U.S.C. 371. Okay, uh, I kept those two guys from going to prison. One of them subsequently ended up going to prison, no fault of my own. He didn't want to listen. He got scared. He was pissed off. I wouldn't go represent him in court. He didn't want to pay me more money. So guess what he did? He hired an attorney. I laugh at this. This is fucking funny. But it's proving what I'm saying is true. To make it look good, they let him stay out of jail pending an appeal. This, this is the trick. They let him stay out of jail pending appeal to make it look good to, to cover up that it wasn't my. My, they mealy mouthed my paperwork saying my paperwork was useless, frivolous, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Then, time for him, to, the attorney, to file an appeal brief ran out. It was time to go back in for sentencing. He's still six jail sentence right now. Went back to jail. Because when you hire an attorney, the court struck all of my paperwork. That kicked their ass. And when you're represented by an attorney under CR 11, folks look this up CR 11, Civil Rule, CR 11. They will only recognize the paperwork that is prepared, signed, and filed by your attorney. So if you got anything else you signed or you got from somebody else, it will be stricken. Be stricken. So guess what? He went to jail, but the other guy. Who, who listened to what i said, even though he was scared shitless, but he just had faith and he believed, he's still laughing today because he never had to go to jail Out of those two guys in the Carolinas. Now, you think it was a fluke? Guess what? I did the same thing to a drug dealer in California. Okay? Uh, you guys want proof of that? Okay, go look up uh, Lewis Ewing, rip-off report. Okay? Let me tell you, I'm being attacked from all sides, even my clients, okay? Look at ripoff report, Lewis Ewing. I'm going to tell you something funny there, folks. People say, well, Lewis, you say everybody else is a ripoff, and they're saying you rip off. ripoff. How do we tell who's the difference? Folks, I will send you an email with a list of testimonials with numerous names and actual court cause numbers, the name of the court and the case number. You can look up many cases that have won. Now, look at the ripoff report. What proves that's false, folks, okay, is I tell everybody, well, do you see a guy Did I put his name there? No, did the guy put the name of the court there? No, what says there I paid Lewis money, and I got no paperwork. He ripped me off and he put a, a you know he put together uh pastes and cuts from emails uh, from me uh, which is legitimately copies of my email but folks, I send out hundreds of emails every week. Anybody can paste and cut my emails to make it look like a letter was constructed from me to pad their lie to make their lie look more legit. But the most important thing, folks, that you see on that Lewis Ewing ripoff report is you don't see the name of any real person. You don't see the name of a court cause number. Okay? Proves it's a lie. Anybody who sends me an email, okay, to rcwcodebuster at aol.com, rcwcodebuster at yahoo.com, or rcwcodebuster at gmail.com, I will send you an email with that person's name that person's home phone number so that you can call him up and tell him what a lying piece of shit he is. And I'll send you his email address so you can send him an email and tell him what a lying piece of shit he is. Okay, here's the truth about that ripoff report thing. Guy calls me up. He's a drug dealer. And he asked me how much to do his case. And I said about twenty twenty-five thousand, 25000 And he goes, how do you know how much to charge? I said, dude, I make my living undercutting attorneys. I said, I know what attorneys charge everywhere for everything. Why? What do California attorneys tell you? Well, they wanted thirty, thirty-five grand, and one attorney wanted forty grand. I said, "See, I said, but dude, okay, that's only for the retainer. I'm telling you, twenty, twenty-five plus expenses to do your whole case. I'm doing the case for about half price. You're not telling me the truth. You're bullshitting me, okay?" He goes, "How'd you know that?" I said, "Dude, I already told you. I make my living under cutting attorneys. You can't quote a price to me over the phone and bullshit me and try to jew me down on my price and lower my price over the phone. I won't do it." Okay, and I'll tell you the truth, folks. Anywhere, time—I don't care what state you're fucking from. Okay, um, if I don't know the price of, of a case, if I can't figure a ballpark range, I will call three attorneys in your state and pose as a client, a potential client or a customer, and I'll give them a description of your case as though it's to me, and I'll get them to give me a price quote over the phone. And once I know what the attorney's charged in your state, I'll just undercut him by about twenty, thirty percent. But, folks, you know what? It's not fair to compare just the money. Okay, Uh, because judges hate pro se litigants like me and Kurt Riggin and Lloyd Smith and Matt from Michigan and other people. We have to do four or five to ten times the amount of paperwork to get the same stroke. So it's not fair to compare just the money. The truth is we actually are underpaid and overworked. Okay, we got a corrupt court system. Okay, and and people complain to me, uh, you know, that I charge too much and I say, fuck you. The attorneys charge too much. Go complain about them. Well, I don't want go hire an attorney. They go, I don't want to hire attorneys. They're not going to do anything for the money. I said, so you want to come to me? You want to snap your fingers, demand result, d- demand I guarantee, demand I promise you, but you want me to do the case for less? And I say, fuck you. It's not going to happen, folks. I'm going to tell you. You know what? It's against the law for anybody to guarantee results in any court. Okay, That's against the law, period. Attorneys aren't going to guarantee. So why in the hell should I guarantee? I'm not going to. Unless you're offering to pay me more money than you would pay an attorney, then we got something to talk about. But until then, I tell people, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear that bullshit. You're talking out of your ass. I tell everybody the truth, folks. I will send you my consulting fee notice that tells you everything that you get and more importantly, everything you don't get when you pay me a consulting fee. And I ask people this all the time: Do you know what an attorney's retainer is? <laughs> you guys are gonna you guys are gonna laugh. You will not believe this. This is why the attorneys are hating me because I'm exposing that the attorneys are the ones perpetrating a fraud upon all of you. The attorneys are the ones ripping you all off. Okay, and they don't like the fact that I'm ripping that I'm that I'm showing you what a ripoff artist all attorneys are. Uh, I'll give you. Uh, a real good example. Um, let's see, attorney's retainer. Okay, here's a case, and I'll post this on the board. You guys can look this up: Baranowski versus State Bar Association.
2: Okay, this
0: this case was approved by the Washington State Bar News Committee. Reports formal opinion number one seventy-three. I will post this on the board. You guys can look this case up. Okay, Baranowski versus State Bar, 154 Cal Reporter, page 752-593-Pacific-Second-613-1979. It says, a retainer is a sum of money paid by a client to secure an attorney's availability to work for a client. The fee paid is considered earned at the time of payment because the attorney is entitled to the money regardless of whether he actually performs any services for the client and the funds shall not be placed into the attorney's trust account. Are you fucking kidding me? A retainer only pays for the availability of the attorney? You know what that means, folks? He'll return your phone call. So I tell people all the time, hey, if you're fucking that stupid and you want to just give your money away, send it to me. And don't worry about me not returning your phone call because I'll be calling you back once a week because you're a sucker. Anybody who pays an attorney a retainer is a sucker because you just threw away that money for nothing. Now, folks, I charge a consulting fee to review people's cases. Now, what's the difference between my consulting fee and an attorney's retainer? Okay, well, let me, let's backtrack a little bit about the retainer. I had a person tell me this over the phone. Oh, the attorney was very nice to me, Mr. Ewing. He gave me two hours of his time for free, and you want to charge me to a consulting fee? This guy complained to me about a year ago. I won't say his name. I was, it makes me want to laugh, Okay. Okay, a guy told me he went to the attorney's office, he had a real nice office in downtown Seattle, brand new bookshelves, he had a secretary, receptionist, fully stocked library that was available there for everybody to see, nice couches for people to sit on. He had junior attorneys on staff and, and, and paralegals working for him. And I must be some kind of a con artist sitting at home with my Corona beer and my marijuana bong sitting behind my pipe, conning all of you people out of your money. (laughs) I am going to tell you something folks the truth is I can do more for you behind my computer drinking a Corona smoking my bong high off my mind stoned out of my mind on my worst sick day of my life I can do more for you behind my computer than an attorney can do for you in most courtrooms but the problem we have folks is the corrupt judges okay and people say would you guarantee I can't guarantee it's against the law let me point out a fact folks I don't care if you hire the most expensive attorney in town the judge has the authority and the power to say this to your attorney. Sorry, uh, Mr. Attorney, your attorney your your motion's denied. You don't like it, you can take it up on appeal. And I'm sure an older, more wiser judge, you know, if I'm wrong, he'll overturn my decision. Bullshit, folks. Less than five percent of all appeals win. The attorneys this they're milking the cow. They're milking the cow on purpose to get more money out of you. It's all a fucking scam okay, the whole court system is a dog and pony show, okay, and they don't like me exposing this, okay, so what do you get for paying my consulting fee, okay, I give you that same hour, a couple hours of time that the attorney gives you, but here's a di- huge difference, folks, my consulting fee is significantly less than an attorney's retainer, and for that money, okay, I'll pull down the latest statute, whatever you're charged with, okay, I'll read that statute, okay, and then I get in my car and I'll spend some of that money on gas and I'm going to drive two and a half hours, three hours to the law library in Olympia, Washington. Or if I feel like it, I'll drive another hour and a half north to the University of Washington library. And I like it up there. It's a much bigger library. Um, a lot of good looking chicks walking around the law library. I like to tell people that just to be funny. Um, but I will copy the entire statute annotated for whatever statutes they're using against you. Okay. Then I sit down and I speed read to the case quotations, okay? Um, And if I find cases that are similar on point or relevant to your case, I'll pull that book off the shelf and I'll copy those entire cases, okay? You can ask the law librarians in Olympia, Washington, University of Washington Library, okay? They called me the brief guy in Olympia. For about eight years running now, my nickname in Olympia, Washington is the brief guy. Why is that? because I check out more brief books than any attorney who's a member of the Washington State Bar. We're talking they have 30,000 bar members versus one pro se litigant. I check out more books from the Law Library in Olympia than any attorney in the state for eight years running. Okay, I'm a heavy-duty researcher, Okay, and they don't like it that I'm not a member of the bar. See, I'm a loose cannon. They have no control over me. I'm going to expose the truth in the law and show you folks how they're ripping you off, and they don't like it, okay? Because I'm exposing the fact that they're committing crimes against you. Did you know, folks, that every time a cop writes you a ticket for not having insurance when you have not been in a car accident, is committing a Class C felony called trafficking and false insurance claims? Okay. Did you know that when a judge inputs into the computer that you're driving while suspended because you didn't pay a traffic ticket? Not only is that judge committing second-degree perjury, he's committing first-degree forgery, plus he's soliciting another person, a police officer, to commit the felony crime of kidnapping in the form of a false arrest and false imprisonment based upon a violation of the Constitution that says basically all traffic tickets are a bill of attainder. In violation of the ex post facto clauses of the state and the United States Constitution, all traffic tickets are a bill of attainder. Now, let's let's give you an example here. Uh, driving without license under Washington State 40, RCW 46.20.015, maximum penalty is $250. Okay, and no insurance ticket um, is supposed to be $250 bucks also. But the cops are actually been trained to commit extortion. And they're trained to commit second-degree perjury and put a false amount down at 550 bucks, twice the legal limit prescribed by the Washington State Supreme Court rule. Okay? So when you go read the insurance statute, here's what proves what I'm saying is is true. When you go read the no insurance statute, it, it cites the uh, the text of three other statutes. And when you go read the text of those three other statutes it clearly shows that you are required to be in an accident okay um let me read you this statute RCW 4629060 applications of sections requiring deposit of security suspensions for failure to deposit security the provisions of this chapter requiring deposit of security and suspensions for ferry to deposit security subject to certain exemptions shall apply to the driver and owner of any vehicle of a type subject to registration under motor vehicle laws of the state, which is in any manner involved in an accident within this state, which accident resulted in bodily injury or death of any person or damage to the property of any one person to an apparent extent equal to or greater than the minimum amount established by rule adopted by the director, the director shall adopt rules of establishing the property damage threshold at which the provisions of this chapter apply with respect to the deposit of security and suspensions for failure to deposit security. Beginning October 1, 1987, the property damage threshold shall be $500. The threshold shall be revised when necessary, but not more frequently than every two years. The revision shall only be for the purpose of recognizing economic changes as reflected by an inflationary index recommended by the Office of Financial Management. The revision shall be guided by the change in the index for the time period since the last revision and by the threshold established by the Chief of the Washington State Patrol for the filing of accident reports as provided in 46.52.030. Okay, folks, go to your local department licensing here in Washington and look for the State Vehicle Accident Collision Report Form. You're not even required to report an accident unless you cause at least $700 worth of damage to another vehicle. When a cop asks you, pulls you over and asks you for license, registration, proof of insurance, if you don't have insurance, they're writing you a ticket for $550. bucks. they are committing a Class C felony in violation of RCW 9A-82010, subsection 4DD. That section, folks, you're going to laugh at this when you look this up. They've trained the cops to commit a Class C felony. Okay, this section that I went about to post on the board is a part of the Washington State Criminal Profiteering Act, which is the state version of the federal RICO laws. And that section is called Trafficking and False Insurance Claims. Okay, let me read you some case law to support what I'm saying is true. Royce versus Bolt. Okay, this is a 1971 case. And I've shepherdized these cases, folks. They have never been overturned. Every single case in my insurance flyer, you can go to my website, lewisewing.com, every single case um, that is cited in my no insurance required flyer, that I gave out for free. And check this out, folks. I wrote this flyer about 10 years ago to date. Nobody has ever been given an insurance ticket to hand this flyer to a cop. But here's what the cops are doing now. When you try to hand them my flyer, they refuse to accept my flyers because they want the cop to pretend to be ignorant of the law. So what we're going to have to do now, folks, I'm going to put together a package. I'm going to sell it on the Internet very cheap. A package where you will be able to either serve it yourself or pay a process service to serve the police chiefs of whatever cities you live in, the county sheriffs, or whatever county you live in, serve the Department of Licensing, serve the Chief of the State Patrol, your notice, your stop arrest notice. I've got a stop arrest notice showing they cannot arrest and take you into custody, deeper driving while suspended. Let me read you Royce versus Bolt. Okay? It is undisputed that at the time of this accident, Mr. Bolt was not subject to the requirements of our financial responsibility statute, RCW 4629. And that his insurance coverage was a matter of voluntary contract. That's right, folks. Insurance is voluntary. It's not required. It may be major public policy, and there's case law that, that recent case law says that. It's major public policy. It is still not law, and they cannot make it law. They cannot force you to contract with a private corporation. The statute speaks in terms of proof of financial responsibility for the future and defines that phrase in terms of accidents occurring subsequent to the effective date of said proof, RCW 4629-260. The statute does not impose its requirements as to proof of financial responsibility until the occurrence of certain accidents, convictions, or bail forfeitures. That's Royce versus Bolt. Let me give you the next case, folks. Uh, Mutual of Enumclaw versus Wiscombe, 1980 case. Very similar statements. Uh, let me get the site posted up on the board so you guys can look this up. Um, this is just so funny to show you, folks, how they're ripping off everybody in a traffic stop. They've trained the cops to commit false arrest, second degree perjury, and, and filing fraudulent instruments into a public record. That's also a Class C felony. In 1963, after Barkwell, the Washington legislature enacted a financial responsibility law, RCW 4629. Under the provisions of this statute, the driver after an injury accident must deposit security unless he or she has an automobile liability policy, RCW 46.29.060 and 080. In addition, the driver involved in such an accident must furnish proof of financial responsibility for the future, citing RCW 4629 260 and forty six twenty nine four twenty. The next case, uh, uh, Miller versus Etna Life and Casualty Insurance Company, June first, nineteen ninety three. Um, the case site says the act does not require mandatory insurance coverage. The Financial Responsibility Act does not require an individual to prove that he is financially able to compensate those he may injure through the use of his vehicles until he is involved in an automobile accident resulting in bodily injury or death of any person or property damage of $300 or more. Forty six twenty nine zero sixty. Well, obviously, folks, it's seven hundred today. It's no longer three hundred. But the point being is they cannot give you a no insurance ticket for not having proof of financial responsibility for the future until the occurrence of an accident. Okay? The next case, Johnson versus Department of Licensing. Forty six Washington Appellate, seven oh one or seven hundred thirty-one, Pacific Second, ten ninety seven, December twenty second, nineteen. 86, I'll post these sites on the board so you guys can look this up. But this this is a joke that all these years the cops have been getting away basically sticking people up by gunpoint. They hire an 80 IQ or less cop. They say, oh, no, no, cops are, are very smart. They have college degrees. Folks, their college degrees are certificates of brains from the Wizard of Oz, okay? The fact that you have a college degree just shows me that you're a papered idiot, Okay. And most of these people are so goddamn stupid they wouldn't know the law if you hit them on the head with a law book. Here's what Johnson versus Department of Licensing says: Under our Financial Responsibility Act, an individual need not prove financial responsibility until a vehicle owned or driven by him is involved in an accident resulting in bodily injury or death of any person or property damage of $300 or more. 4629060. Even after such an accident has occurred. Proof of financial responsibility for the accident and in the future may be made in a number of ways, including but not limited to proof of liability insurance, 4629 070, 080, and 450. Since the legislature has not seen fit to require mandatory insurance coverage, we will not replace its assessment of public policy with our own, we cannot require mandatory insurance where the legislature has declined to do so. As we noted in WISCOM, the provisions of the Financial Responsibility Act, RCW 4629, do not become mandatory until the driver is involved in an accident causing injury or damage of $300 or more. 46.29.060 060, WISCOM at 206, N. F Johnson versus Department of Licensing. Folks, when a state patrol or a cop asks me for insurance, I look to the left and I look to the right and I say, Officer, did I hit somebody? Was I in an accident? Does the state sell insurance now? Because that's a matter of a voluntary contract. And under the U.S. Constitution and the state Constitution, the state shall not, cannot impair the obligation of a contract. Okay, and I got a couple of cases that, that make my point very clear on this issue, folks. LaPointe versus Richards, 1965. Um, let me put this on the board so you guys can get this. Every single no insurance ticket is a scam unless you've been involved in an accident. Okay, LaPointe versus Richards says the existence of an insurance policy is a matter of contract law. Since insurance involves a contractual relationship between the insurer and the insured, Mr. State Patrol, unless you're employed by State Farm Insurance, mind your own fucking business. None of your goddamn business whether or not I have insurance. Fuck off. Okay? These people do not deserve respect, folks, because they're dumb. They're stupid. And they're trained to be stupid on purpose. It's called negligent supervision by the chief of the state patrol, negligent supervision by all the county sheriffs, and negligent supervision by the police chiefs. They are intentionally mistraining their police officers to abuse judicial processes, Okay, stick people up by gunpoint, you give an 80 IQ or less android cop a fucking badge and a gun, and you say, go out there and stick them up, make us some money. That's what it's coming down to, folks. And they're building more jails. What they're doing is they're creating a debtor's prison illegally. Traditionally, here's the net case, Mutual of Enumclaw versus Wiscomb. okay? Folks, you're, no attorney, okay? This is why you should hire me to write your legal pleadings, okay? Because no attorney is going to tell you the truth, okay? They're all scared of being disbarred. No attorney is going to tell you the truth because they are scared of being disbarred. How many times have I got to say that, okay? This is a fact, Okay? Traditionally, insurance contracts have been considered to be private contracts between the parties. There you go, folks. Mutual Venom Claw versus Westcomb that says, Traditionally, insurance contracts have been considered to be private contracts between the parties. So, officer, it's an A and B conversation. I think you can see your way out of this. And, folks, look it up. RCW 9A 82010, subsection 4GDD. It's entitled Trafficking in False Insurance Claims. So they've trained the cop. They ask you for insurance. You've been on insurance. They've trained the cop to commit, basically, felony extortion, second-degree perjury and forgery. He put down on a ticket. They want 550 bucks for that no insurance ticket. That's twice the legal limit approved by the Washington State Supreme Court, which says the maximum penalty for not having insurance is 250 But, again, folks, that only applies if you've been in an accident. Oh, and did you know, folks, that all the no insurance tickets and seatbelts, the majority of those funds go straight into the judge's retirement funds? Okay, Okay. did you know that the judges are being paid to rip off the public? Their reward for ripping off the public is allowing them to move from job to job every five years. Did you know that a Seattle Municipal Court judge, after working five years, can become fully vested and get a fully vested pension retirement fund? He can get a job then in the King County District Court, work for another five years, and become fully vested and when he retires, he's going to get two pensions. But guess what? These greedy fuckers aren't satisfied with two pensions. They'll get a job as a superior court judge. So now they'll get a third pension. They'll work another five years. They'll become a superior court judge in another county. vested <laughs> pension. Then they'll become a court clerk at the state Supreme Court in Olympia. Did you know that, folks, that all the court clerks in Olympia, Washington, used to be municipal and district court judges? <laughs> so when these people retire, they're gonna have four, five, or six fully vested retirement punches. They're gonna be getting like twenty, twenty five, thirty, forty thousand dollars a month when they retire. Where's all the fucking money coming from? It's coming from us. It's coming from the taxpayers. It's time that we we bring down we need to take down the State Bar Association, folks, and, and I've got the best suggestion for that. We need to bring a bill before the legislature entitled an act to regulate the practice of law. Okay. And this act will require anybody who passes the state bar exam is now eligible to go purchase an attorney's license, a lawyer's license from the department of licensing, the same as a electrician, a plumber, a painter, a roofer, a general contractor, the same as buying a fishing or a hunting license. We're going to elect a state official to be in charge of the new and the real Washington State Bar Association that will be held accountable to the public. Right now, we have a bunch of criminals pretending to be part of the state government who are basically in criminal conspiracy to maintain an illegal monopoly over the court system. They've created a scenario where they have complete control over all the bar members. The same as the American Medical Association has control over all doctors. My ex-girlfriend, uh, Catherine West, was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. I'm going to guess what, folks. I healed her of cancer. Okay. And it's against the law for me to say that I can heal people with cancer, but I say fuck you to the American, Bar- American Medical Association. I say fuck you to the Food and Drug Administration. Anybody who sends me an email, I will send you a list of 300-plus cancer cures. Okay? Did you know that you can cure cancer with baking soda and maple syrup and Essiac tea? Yeah. My ex-girlfriend, Catherine West, had stage 4, going on stage 5 cancer, at the Good Samaritan Hospital. She was pregnant. Six months uh, um, with one of my babies, and um, they were telling her that she had to get an abortion, emergency surgery to have an abortion. They were going to remove her ovaries and her uterus, and they said that she would have to undergo full blown chemotherapy immediately, or she would be dead in six months to no more than a year. And did you know that? It's a fact, folks. 70% of all women who contract cervical cancer die within six months to a year. Okay? And I told the doctor, you yeah, fuck out of your fucking mind. They pulled my uh, girlfriend aside talked to her in a separate room, told her, don't listen to your boyfriend. He's crazy. Okay, that's what all Jews, that's what all Jews, Jewish doctors, Jewish attorneys, they say about anybody who's smarter than them. They will try to discredit you. Google Ezra Pound. Ezra Pound was talking about Jews prior to World War II and whatnot they, and, and during World War II. Ezra Pound got locked up in a mental insane asylum, okay, because he was smarter than them, okay, because he was warning the people about what they were going to do to us, okay. So, anyway, the doctor said, don't listen to him. He believes everything on the Internet. Okay, folks, I don't believe everything on the Internet, okay. There's a lot of bullshit on the Internet. I do my own due diligence. I check shit out before I recommend it to anybody else. Okay, so I've checked this. I've been studying alternative, besides law, I've been studying alternative healing methods, uh, alternative energies, free energy devices for probably 20 years. So I know what's real and what's not. Okay, so anyway, make a long story short, I put my girlfriend on the baking soda maple syrup cure. here's how you do it, folks. You want to buy Bob's Red Mill brand
2: baking soda.
0: It says in big block letters on the little plastic bag on the label, it says aluminum-free. Do not use the Arm & Hammer baking soda that you use to take out orders in your refrigerator and freezer, okay? They actually add aluminum to that, okay? Too much aluminum in your system is not only bad for you, it will kill you, okay? So do not use uh, uh, the the Arm & Hammer baking soda for this. You want to use Bob's Red Mill brand baking soda. You want to use three parts maple syrup to one part baking soda. And you get a small... to stew pot and you cook it medium to medium high heat stirring it constantly with a wooden spoon to make sure it doesn't get burnt and stuck at the bottom then you bring it to a slow boil keep it stirring it then sh- take it off the burner set the burner off let it cool completely pour it into a tall pickle jar that's about the size of a fork length of of, a, of a, like a butter knife okay it will settle to the bottom like a christmas tree ornament and those little round globe things that you turn upside down and shake and then and it. Okay, so let it let it settle It'll settle. Then take a fork, stick it in the pickle jar, and you're gonna to have to scrape up the baking soda because it's gonna stick. Because the maple syrup is sticky. So you scrape the baking soda, and you'll build. It'll break up. Pull the fork out. Put the lid on the pickle jar. Shake it up aside, Turn it upside down. That way you'll see the baking soda sifting through all the maple syrup. Give your if your friend has cancer, give them two or three tablespoons of it. Okay, bring their pH up. The idea is, folks. Um, you're going to want to maintain your pH between a 7.0 and a 7.5, okay? Um, It is a known scientific fact if your pH is between a 7.0 and a 7.5, you can't have cancer. It's also a known scientific fact if your pH is between a 4.0 and a 5.5, you either have cancer or you're highly susceptible to getting it. So guess what, folks? The doctors will never tell you this on the TV or the newspaper, that you can cure cancer for less than $50, That would put all the doctors out of business. Seriously. That would put all the doctors out of business if everybody knew this. You can regulate the pH in your body as easily as you can an above the ground swim pool that you can buy at Toys R Us. That's how fucking simple it is. Okay? So, you know, at the time I really was concerned about my girlfriend, you know, in love with my girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. We had children together. Okay? Well, how do you measure your pH? Folks, go to Vaxa Vaxa V-A-X-A-Vaxa.com, order some pH strips go to your local pool supply, hot tub, sauna supply, you know, and, and get a pH kit. Okay? So basically, you can go to vaxa.com, order pH strips. And so every time my girlfriend had to take a piss, I'd follow her to the bathroom and I'd give her the pH stick and I'd be standing there standing there, "Hey, you need to I want to see your pH." You know, so I'd make her piss on the pH strip and I'd look at the color of the pH strip and I'd say, "Okay, well, you need to take like 3 tablespoons right now." Okay, and every time she did that, I did that every time for two weeks. I had a babysitter because she didn't want to do it. You know, if some some people actually don't like the taste of this stuff. Maple syrup and the baking soda and has kind of a strong taste. But I, what I did to overcome that is I bought like uh, the most expensive maple syrup you can get in a glass jar. It was like twenty five bucks for a jar, and it was really sweet and good tasting. So it helped do away with the bad taste of the baking soda. Anyway, uh, for two weeks, I constantly maintained her pH between a seven point zero and a seven point five. This is what proves, folks, that you cannot trust doctors and you cannot trust attorneys. They have control over the attorneys. They have control over the doctors. When she went into the hospital, they tested her again, and all the doctors at Good Samaritan Hospital freaked out. The main doctor for the hospital pulled her aside and asked her what she did. So she told them what we did, and the doctor said to her, what your boyfriend did to you is far better than anything we can do for you, but we're not allowed to talk about it because we could lose our medical licenses you see how fucked up that is, folks? They're killing people in the hospitals. They're intentionally withholding the information that would save people's lives, and it's all about population control. Killing the, the, killing the goyim, the the non-Jews, okay? Every time I've ever seen it, uh, and, and Lloyd will tell you this, every time he's ever seen it on a TV show where a doctor was talking pro and con abortions, every time we said a doctor... Uh, saying, what's the big deal? It's just a piece of meat. It was a Jewish doctor referring to non-Jewish babies. Now, Peter K., Assistant Attorney General of Kitsap County, says, Mr. Ewing's anti-Semitic. He's anti-Jewish. Folks, did you know that anti-Semitic is a made-up term? It is a false term being promoted by racist bigot Jews. Okay, Let, let's, let's clarify the record here. What is a Semite? A Semite is a Shemite. It comes from Shem. Shem is a Hebrew who is a white man. Okay, so to claim that Lewis Ewing is anti-Semite is like claiming that I'm a black supremacist that hates white people. Don't tell Lloyd. Don't tell Tom Walter. You know, two of my best friends on this planet are white. They find out I'm a black supremacist that hates white people because I'm anti-Semitic, like Mr. Peter K says. Assistant Attorney General Peter Kay is a lying piece of shit. I am not anti-Semitic. The truth is, folks, I actually love all people. I love all races and nationalities. Okay, I love everybody. The Bible says not to get caught up in lineage or genealogy, because all it does is breed confusion and argument. But, so does it make me racist to expose who the real racists are? That's what they're afraid of. We're uh, going off topic a little bit, folks, at Pro Se Winners, but I've got a theory for you on the, the so-called Holocaust that will blow your mind. And I think it's true. I think that the Jews falsified the whole goddamn thing. I think the Jews were behind the Holocaust. Joseph Stalin was Jew. They killed 40 to 50 to 60 million Christians during the Bolshevik Revolution. How come we don't hear about that? All we ever fucking hear about on the TV from the Jewish-controlled television, keep that in mind, folks, all the television news stations are owned by Jews. Every major newspaper publication is owned by Jews. Okay? All we ever hear is, oh, us poor Jews... We're an oppressed people. Us poor Jew. We're poor Jew. They killed six million Jew. Okay, you know, I don't really give a fuck what nationality is. The point is you're killing people. But why do we have to hear this over and over again? Us poor Jew. We're an oppressed people. And I look around. I've never seen a poor Jew. I've never seen an oppressed Jew. It seems like when World War II was over, all the Jews woke up in Hollywood and Tel Aviv. <laughs> Seriously. All the Jews woke up in Tel Aviv and Hollywood. <laughs> okay? I haven't seen a poor Jew ever. Okay? Uh, we're being screwed. And and this is my theory in the Holocaust. I think they did the whole propaganda scheme to throw off all suspicion that it was behind them behind the whole thing. When I was about 15, 16 years old, folks, I'm 53 now, when I was about 15, 16 years old, I met uh, a really old couple that told me that they were children that survived the Holocaust. And they were like at Auschwitz and Treblinka. Somehow they made it through both camps. And... They told me that when they were children, they were forced to wear the Jewish star, even though they weren't Jewish. They were Italian. They told me that they forced hundreds of people who were not Jews to wear the Jewish star, and then they took their pictures in those rolling film cameras. And I remember seeing that in high school, folks. I remember in high school history books, they showed pictures of, of families, like you'd see it for blocks long, families and children, men and women, all wearing a Jewish star, and you look at them, all different races and nationalities. Why is that? Okay? It was a false propaganda scream. And to throw everybody off track, they said Adolf Hitler, here's the funny thing, Adolf Hitler is a Jew himself, a mastermind, okay, a mastermind criminal, okay, to make it look like they're going after the Jews. To throw everybody off track, he created this, we're going to create the new master super race of blonde-haired, blue-eyed Captain America, Wonder Woman, new super white people that will be winning the NBA basketball championships in the future, and we're tired of white men can't jump. We're going to have white men, you know, beating all the black men in basketball. So that—that's Hitler's super race. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, the fact is, of the six million Jews. When you go do the studies on this, and the Red Cross and the statistics that come out, there wasn't six million Jews in all of Europe, let alone the world. Okay, <laughs> at that time in existence. Okay, uh, of that number, the truth is five point six to five point seven million were non-Jews. They only killed two to three hundred thousand of the poor white trailer trash Jew that they didn't give a shit about. The mixed breeds, the half breeds. That weren't truly of the so called Jewish thing, you know. You know, here's the thing, folks. Did you know anybody who claims to be Jew is a liar under John eight forty four? Their father, Satan, is the father of all liars. Yeah. Anybody who claims to be a Jew is a liar and I can prove it. Okay? Okay. Revelation two nine and three nine. I'm not talking about real Jews, folks. I'm talking about fake Jews. In the Bible, all I'm doing when I say somebody is a fake Jew is I'm quoting the Bible. When I'm talking about Jews, I'm talking about those who call themselves the Jew but who are not the Jew. Go read Revelation two nine and Revelation three nine. Basically, both of them put together says, Beware those in the end times who call themselves the Jew but who are not Jew and are from the synagogue of Satan and who lie. Okay. Now here's how I can prove nobody's a Jew. I asked I I got in an argument with a guy about a year ago. And uh, I asked him, I said, do we know where the burial ground of Shem is, or Isaac, or Abraham, or even Jacob? And he goes, no. Well, if we can't dig up, you can't show me where the coffin is of Shem, Isaac, Abraham, or even Peter, and we can't stick a needle in their arm to get some fresh blood out to use as a gauge for a test to compare your blood to his blood, we can't prove you're a Jew. And to be fair, folks, I'm not picking on Jews. There's white people who think... They're an Israelite because they're white. They've got a free ticket. they got a free pass to heaven. That's all bullshit, too. So to be fair to the so-called those who call themselves a Jew, just because, I'm going to point out that all those people who claim to be white, that they're an automatic Israelite, that's bullshit. Okay? Just because you have white skin and, and that you might possibly be an Israelite doesn't mean you get a free pass to heaven. Okay? But even if it says in the Bible that you can be removed from the book of life If you sin, if you commit the ultimate sin, murder, or if you blaspheme, that's the actual ultimate sin, blasphemy, okay? If you say that God is the devil or the Holy Ghost is the devil, that's blasphemy according to the Christian definition. The Jewish definition says uh, anybody who claims they're the son of God Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, when, when they asked Jesus, are you that Son of God? And he says, well, you say I'm the Son of God. And in, in the, it says in the Bible, oh, look, he's claiming to be the Son of God. He's a blasphemer. That's the Jewish definition of blasphemy. But that, you know, so according to the Jews, I would be a blasphemer. Okay, folks, the King James Bible and the Geneva Bible says that we are all the sons and daughters of God. We are the sons and daughters of God, all of us. To a Jew, that would be considered blasphemy. But let's get back to um, our show uh, uh, about law stuff, uh, folks, uh, the the history of this right to be represented versus the assistance of counsel. We're being screwed. In my so-called ability to practice law, let me show you what the um, territorial code says. Uh, This is the territorial Code of 1881, folks, for Washington State. This is the basis of my right to practice law without being a member of any bar. Section 3275. The following persons are entitled to practice as attorneys and counselors in all the courts of this territory. Number one. All citizens of the United States were duly admitted as attorneys and counselors of the Supreme or District Courts before the passage of this chapter and whose names are still on the rolls of attorneys of those courts. Well, folks, that would not apply to anybody today because anybody who lived in 1881 would be dead today. So let's eliminate number one. Let's look at two and three, okay? Number two, all citizens of the United States were present to any court of record in the territory. Who present to any court of record in the territory, and this says in brackets, folks, in the territory, a license from any court of record, folks. And the reason why they put this in brackets is to not only to exclude it from being required, but also to emphasize something. In the territory, a license from any court of record. Well, folks, at the times of the territory, licenses were unknown to the law. There's cases out of Texas Texas, regarding driver's licenses. It says, at the time of the territory, licenses are unknown to the law. Okay? Now it says, all citizens of the United States are presented to any court of record, now in brackets, in a territory license from any court of record, now back out of the brackets, in any other state or territory, showing that the person presenting the same has been duly admitted to practice in said court. So folks, according to the territory code, if I present to the judge my certificate or so called license from a court of record from any other state or jurisdiction, like it says in the current statutes 2.48170 or 190, showing that I have been admitted, I have been authorized to practice law in said court, I am automatically entitled to practice as an attorney and a counselor in the territory of Washington. That's right, folks. Number three. Now, here's for the incompetent bar attorney. See, I fall into a category, uh, uh, the first category, which is the premier category. I've already been authorized to practice law. I never went to law school, never taken the bar exam, but I was authorized to practice law without going to law school or taking the bar exam. This is what pisses off all the attorneys because they hold an inferior position to me. Okay, All state bar attorneys who went to law school fall under this one, number three. All citizens of the United States... Who are over 21 years of age and who shall present to any court of record in this territory a diploma or certificate of brains from a law college of the Wizard of Oz of brains? Okay. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. With or a certificate from a law college or law school, and are found upon examination under the direction of the court to possess the requisite qualifications of learning and ability, and who shall be examined and admitted as hereinafter provided. Okay, you see that, folks? Number three of the territorial code, section 3275, applies to the licensed idiots, the feckless pettifoggers, the dummies who went to law school, spelled with a K, where they were schooled, S-K-O-O-L-D. All the bar attorneys with a bar card were schooled, and I guarantee you, attorneys who were members of the bar, if you weren't schooled, you were fooled. And if you weren't fooled, you were schooled. Okay? All attorneys and members of our folks, they, they had to go to law school, they had to sit at a desk and wait for the law professor to come in and school them, spelled with a K, S K O O L. They had to wait for the law teacher to come in and school them. Guess how did I how did I learn how to practice law, folks? I had an attorney ask me once, did you write this brief? And I go, Yeah. And he goes, Well, where'd you learn to, to write this stuff? And I said, At the law library? And he's like, You mean they let you in? <laughs> Okay, your folks, the law libraries are open to the public. University of Washington library is paid for with taxpayer dollars. We have the right to go into the law library. Okay, now let's go to section thirty two seventy-six. All citizens of the United States applying for admission to practice as attorneys and counsel of this territory, except those provided for in the first, second, and third clauses of the foregoing section, must apply to the Supreme Court or any district court of the territory when in session and must show one that they are of the age of 21 years, which proof may be made by their own affidavit. Two, that they are persons of good moral character, which may be proved or by certified or other evidence satisfactory to the court. Three, that they have diligently studied the common law and laws of this territory for at least 18 months previous to the date of their application under the direction of some practicing attorney within the territory and are well-versed in said laws, the proof of which shall be the certificate of the attorney under whose direction the applicant is, has studied. Well, folks, there are ways, and this this is the root uh, for the current statute regarding to law clerks. You could actually go to work, if, you, if you're if you knowledgeable enough in the law and you, you've got some paralegal ability, you could actually go be a law clerk for some attorney, uh, or what they call a Rule 9 intern, for like two years or something, and now you're eligible to go take the bar exam uh, and, and and take the test. And now you take the test. Now you can be automatically admitted to practicing law. Uh, here's the reason, folks, why... Uh, like I said, the reason why I don't take the test to prove that I'm, quote, competent to practice law, that's bullshit, folks, okay? Do you really think because your roof was put on a license by a licensed roofer that your roof's never going to leak? I would submit that probably 90 to 94% of all roofs today that are leaking were put on by a licensed roofer. How many of you have out there been screwed by an attorney? How many of you hired an attorney and lost your cases? Did the fact that he owed a bar card prove he was competent? Or is he a piece of shit that took your money and lost your case? <laughs> I think that probably applies to about 95% of you who have ever hired an attorney. Now, let's look at why I cannot be charged with practicing law. RCW 2.48180, subsection 7, that I've already poked it on the board earlier, folks. Any proceeding under this section, It is a defense, if proven by the defendant, by a preponderance of the evidence that at the time of defense, the conduct alleged was authorized by the rules of professional conduct or the admission to practice rules or Washington Business and Professions licensing statutes or rules. Guess what, folks? 2.48170 and 2.48190 clearly lays out that it is a statute, okay, that provides me a defense. By the preponderance of evidence, under McCormick's own evidence, folks, the preponderance of evidence standard, which is the lowest threshold of evidence there is, says it can be the weight of a feather. So I would submit what you folks have heard tonight by 2.48170 and 2.48190. If I chose to push the limits, I could go into any court in the state of Washington and force the judge to allow me to represent somebody if I wanted to. And then I could sue them for racial discrimination against a tribal lawyer because by statute, I am automatically authorized to practice law without admission by the Supreme Court if I satisfy the judge that a Washington state bar attorney could practice law in the Munkoshoot Tribal Court, the Tulalip Tribal Court, the Puyallup Tribal Court, and, and the Quinault Tribal Court and the Snoqualmie Tribal Court. And. Last but not least, well, kind of the least for right now, the Kiki Tribe, because it's not yet federally recognized. But guess what, folks? The Kiki Tribe is specifically named in the Point Elliott Treaty. It is automatically eligible to apply for federal recognition. We are in the process of applying for federal recognition, but there's some criminals in the Washington State Bar Association and the Assistant Attorney General's Office who are interfering with the Kiki Tribe's application to be put on the CFR list. Okay. And the reason why they're doing that illegally is because they're trying not to give me back my children in the CPS case that I'm finding because they're trying to avoid the ICWA standards. Now, here's the real reason why Peter Kay, the lying piece of shit faggot that he is, who works for the state Attorney uh, General, wants to avoid having the Kikialas tribe placed on the list of federally tribes that are eligible to come, become federally recognized. Because under the ICWA standards, folks, they would have to have proof beyond a reasonable doubt standard that I've abandoned, injured, or damaged, or neglected my three sons. They would—they have no proof of that. They would have to charge me with a crime of abandoning or neglecting or abusing my sons. Well, the prosecutors never charged me with a crime, and nor would they because they have no evidence or proof of it. Okay? And, and therefore, even if they did charge me, folks, with abusing or neglecting uh, my children... They would never gain a conviction. The jury would dismiss the charge and tell them they have to give the Mr. Ewing his sons back. Well, we can't make any money stealing children if we have to have if we have to follow the law. Let's meet in conspiracy and let's create a way to circumvent the law, make an end run around the Fourth Amendment. We'll steal people's children without the basis of even a Fourth Amendment warrant that's not subscribed to, sworn to under oath, and signed by a judge in a superior court. Let's go steal the children. Now the attorneys are going, well, I can't sign that. I don't have personal knowledge that so-and-so is a bad parent. I'm not going to sign that. What do we do? Well, let's create an organization. Well, let's call it the CPS Division of the ASHS. Let's hire a bunch of brainless bimbos with bachelor's degrees like named Paige Cummings. And to make it look good, we'll hire a dumb bitch named Kelly Linscott who has a master's degree in psychology. And then we'll get Stephanie Hooker, Stephanie De Hooker. Uh, to be guardian ad litem, to protect the children's rights, but she'll keep her mouth shut and not tell the attorneys, not tell the court that Lewis West and Phoenix West should get a counsel. And then all the attorneys in the courtroom conspire and lie to me and say that children under 12 will go get counsel. You know what proves these folks liars, folks? They lied to me at dependency in my case and told me children under 12 don't get counsel. But my oldest son, Miles Tejano, who's 12, they appointed him counsel, Carrie Stevens. My two sons went through dependency without counsel. And when I objected and argued against that, the judge said children under 12, get counsel. the attorney general supported him. All the t- public defenders are nodding their head in approval. And then they're telling me, a couple of them told me, uh, there's no money for it. The legislature hasn't approved it. And I said, you know, something tells me all these fucking attorneys are lying. Guess what, folks? So I decided to go study the law. And keep in mind, folks, my specialty is criminal law, not family law. I'm on okay? So I started studying this shit, and I discovered a series of statutes that doesn't make any age limit. So I put these statutes together in a motion at termination that my sons be appointed counsel. All of a sudden, the crooked judge Holt becomes honest and grants my motion.
1: I'll be off this in a few minutes.
0: And, and so I bitched him out. I said, "Well, you guys told me a dependency children order now counsel, but now I put in a motion showing that you're that you're wrong. These statutes don't provide an age limit. Now you appoint me counsel. My sons are screwed out of counsel at dependency." And Judge Hull, of course, trying to look nonplussed and the Attorney General sweating and, and trying to make up some excuse. Well, you should have put in that motion an attorney. You should have hired an attorney to represent them, blah, blah, blah. These folks are a conspiracy to steal children, folks. They think children under 12 are up for grabs automatically, and they're violating their right to counsel by not appointing them counsel. That is a scam. Okay, so anyway, I got the children appointed counsel at termination. And I'm going to be able to sue them for ineffective assistance to counsel based upon their failure to attack probable cause. Okay, folks, challenges to the effectiveness of counsel are reviewed de novo. I just put in a personal restraint petition um, that's going to knock their dick into the dirt. Because now that I've filed it while the termination proceeding is going on an appeal, okay, They're going to have to join my personal restraint petition to my appeal before the judge can make a ruling. And they're probably going to crap over that. So here's the case sites for that, uh, folks Uh, State versus Rainey and uh, State versus White. Challenges, effectives of counsel are reviewed de novo. Also, um, here's here's a couple more cases I'll give you Uh, State versus Sandoval also lays this out. I'm going to show you folks uh, one of the things I want to start up as a business, uh, um, basically an attorney watchdog, an attorney monitor, okay? I'd like you folks to hire me to review your case so that I can analyze your case. If you've got a public defender or a attorney, licensed attorney working for you, hire me to be your trial coach. Let me look at the documents, okay? And I don't care. It's up to you whether you want to tell the attorney you're hiring me to look at the case or you keep it secret to yourself, because uh, they're going to be pissed off. They're going to be really pissed off if they got me looking at the case. Because an attorney will try to quit you. okay? Because they're afraid that somebody honest like me is going to point out how crooked they are because they're not doing their jobs on purpose. That's what they're scared of. Folks, I have case law that says, check this out. Failure to provide... Failure... Uh, um, okay... A failure to follow through on leads or tips provided by the defendant, his family, or friends constitutes ineffective assistance to counsel. Okay. Um, the sta- stand-of-all case that I just posted there. We review constitutional challenges to novo. The Horton case. We do not ordinarily consider evidentiary objections that were not presented to the trial court, citing um, RAP 2.5A3, that's the Rules of Appellate Procedure, which also cites State versus Mendez Solorio, the right to effective counsel in criminal proceedings is a constitutional right. Okay, so folks, because it's a constitutional right, I can raise a personal restraint petition to raise issues that were not properly raised at the trial level by the public defenders. Okay? Under Washington law, a defendant must satisfy a two pronged test in order to demonstrate an ineffective assistance of counsel's c- claim, citing Strickland versus Washington. I'm going to post this side on the board. Okay, folks, I'm giving you information here that you will not find on any family rights groups. There isn't anybody in the family rights groups that can can explain this, you know, clearly. First, the defendant must show that defendant's counsel representation was deficient, as defined as following below an objective standard of reasonableness, state versus McFarland. Now, here's something, folks, that's really embarrassing to the Kitsap County Court. Okay, Judge Hall, Kitsap County Superior Court Judge Kevin Hall, and Assistant Attorney General, Peter Kay. Uh I read something from the Judge's Bench Manual. Isn't that funny, folks? I have a copy of every Judge's Bench Manual in the state of Washington. Okay? And the Washington State Judicial Bench Manual for Superior Courts and the Municipal and District Courts has a section called Ineffective Assistance of Counsel. So when you go to that chapter and you open it up, there's a section in that chapter entitled specific instances of ineffective assistance of counsel, citing State v. McFarland. Okay. 127, Washington, 2nd, 322, or 899, Pacific, 2nd, 1251, 1995, citing State v. Thomas. Second, a defendant must show that he or she was prejudiced by the deficient representation. Prejudice exists if, quote, there is a reasonable probability that except for counsel's unprofessional errors, the result of the proceeding would have been different. Okay, folks, uh, here's an example. If an attorney files a pretrial motion to suppress based upon a police officer's lack of probable cause or failure to file a pretrial suppression motion challenging you know basically, the probable cause of the stop the the cop had no probable cause uh, a claim like a pretextual stop pretextual stops folks was ruled to be illegal in a case called State versus Ladson. the best u s Supreme Court version of that case is a case called Patrick Knowles versus the state of Iowa, where Judge William Rehnquist just quoted his uh, uh, uh an uh, congressional record it was on national t v reaming the cop in open court. What further evidence of speeding were you going to find in the glove box? The act of speeding was completed at the time you turned your lights on and stopped them. You were authorized by statute to issue these gentlemen a citation and notice to appear. This is mandatory site and release policies. The cops are conducting illegal searches and seizures without a warrant, folks. Okay, so my argument is However, the defendant does not need to go as far as to show that counsel's unprofessional errors were more likely than not altered the outcome in these cases. Strickland, the 466 U.S. is 693, or 104 Supreme Court reporter at 2068. So imagine this, folks. We're talking no less than seven Washington State public defenders, including two assistant attorney generals posing as public defenders in my case. Their failure to file. Their intentional failure to file a pretrial suppression motion was and is deficient representation as a matter of law. Okay? A failure to bring a pretrial suppression motion is not per se deficient representation unless the defendant shows that there was no legitimate strategic or tactical reason for failing to bring such a motion. At State v. Rainey, 107 Washington Appellate, at 136 citing State v. Klinger, and also State v. Terrica, Okay, uh, folks. State versus Terica is very on point for uh, my ex-girlfriend because she was allegedly arrested on a report of a car being stolen. Okay, but that was false. It was a false report. So State versus Terica and State versus Mance and Wallace versus Spencer from the Ninth Circuit talks about invalid computer records, where the police officers cannot rely upon improper and invalid computer records, you know, uh, uh, based upon expired warrants, quashed warrants, or false information that was inputted into the computer, okay? The case law says the public defender's failure to bring these kind of pretrial motions to suppress these things based on those kind of issues constitutes ineffective assistance to counsel, okay? Okay. Where the record is void of any such legitimate strategic or tactical reason, the first prong of Strickland is met. See in Ray Maxfield. Okay, I'll post that side on the board too, folks. Uh, One thirty-three Washington second, um, page three three two or nine forty-five Pacific second, nineteen sixty-seven. Okay, I got that copied, um, folks. This is why you should have me looking at your cases, okay, because I can look at a case and I can tell you what the attorney is doing for you, and more importantly, I can tell you what the attorneys are not doing. I can tell you what the public defenders are not doing. In, In Ray Maxfield, personal restraint petitions granted, convictions vacated, and charges dismissed were both trial and appellate counsel. And that's something that my appellate counsel needs to watch out for. Personal restraint petitions granted, Convictions vacated and charges dismissed for both trial the appellate counsel failed to move for suppression of evidence of a marijuana grow operation seized after petitioner's right to privacy under Article One, Section 7 was violated by the issuance of a search warrant based upon a public utilities district disclosure of the petitioner's electrical consumption records to narcotics offers. Okay, so folks, to me, it strains the bounds of credulity to believe that it is even remotely possible for no less than seven attorneys. Nancy Ann Tarbell, Washington State Bar Association, number 26686. Assistant Attorney General Hong Lee, Hong M. Lee, WSBA, bar number 38975, posing as my standby counsel. Nancy, or, Nancy Ann Tarbell was my standby counsel. Hong Lee was appointed my standby counsel. Folks, I didn't want standby counsel. I wanted assistance counsel. Okay, Judge Hall violated my right to counsel because he said I had to accept representation, okay? Judge Hall cannot deem that I waive my right to counsel based upon his ignorance of the law. I have the right to assistance to counsel, and there's other Washington State cases where attorneys or uh, judges have allowed pro se litigants to defend themselves in person, okay, and have assistance to counsel, but they were no longer pro se because they were, they were, uh, uh, they were co-counsel. They had assistance to counsel, Okay, so under equal protection of the law, my, my, my rights were violated under equal protection of the law to be allowed to be co-counsel in my own case. The reason why they wanted to be co-counsel, okay, folks, I'm briefing out an argument saying there's a conspiracy to violate my right to counsel. No attorney wanted to be my counsel because an alleged conflict of interest. Both Nancy Tarbell... And Hong Lee filed motions to withdraw from my case, but they never stated on the record what that conflict of interest was. Now, between you and me, folks, an attorney friend of mine says, I bet the truth is that they just didn't want to be sued. I've talked to several attorneys, and they say that the arguments that I'm about to present to you folks are absolutely correct. Had the attorneys presented my arguments, the court would have had to say, well, okay, that motion's correct, you're an attorney, you're a member of the bar, I have to dismiss this case, you're correct, boom, over with. Now, I present the argument, oh, it's Mr. Ewing. He's one of them constitutionalists. He's one of those goddamn dirty patriots. Let's deny the motion even though he's wrong, even though he's right. <laughs> Let's deny the motion. we got to get his kids. We're not going to give him his kids back no matter what he does. We're going to conspire to deny his motions even though Mr. Ewing is correct. Now, there's other attorneys, okay? Sherry L. Davis was the attorney for Catherine West, my ex-girlfriend. Her WSB bar number is 39997. Ann M. Montgomery, WSBA 23579. And her most recent attorney, Catherine Cruikshank. She's actually an assistant attorney general posing as a public defender in Catherine West's case. Catherine Cruikshank, her WSB bar number is 16255. Now, the attorney appointed Lewis Wex and Phoenix Wex, my two flesh and blood sons, is Stephen D. Greer, WSBA bar number 17166. And Carrie Stevens, very nice lady. Uh, she represented my oldest son, Miles Johanna, who's not my flesh and blood son, but he is my son. I love him as my own son. I call him number one son, I call Louie number two, and I call Phoenix number three. You know, and when when Phoenix and Louie asked me, How come he's number one and I'm number two and number three? I said, Because he's older than you. Okay? But I love all you guys the same, okay? Well, Miles uh, is half black, and, and I've raised him as my own since he was two. I changed his diapers. He testified in open court. He remembered that I changed his diapers. He remembered living with me, okay? Carrie Stevens' bar number, 15420, very nice lady. She's the only person, she's the only honest attorney in the courtroom who who did not directly uh, participate in the conspiracy to provide the West Ewing children no defense, I believe in my particular case, folks, there is a criminal conspiracy to provide Catherine West literally no defense, a criminal conspiracy to provide Louis Ewing literally no defense, and a conspiracy to provide uh, uh, Phoenix West and Louis West literally no defense because these public defenders, uh, Nancy Tarbell, Hong M. Lee, Sherry L. Davis, Ann Montgomery, Catherine Krugchenk, and Stephen Greer, they all played stupid. They all turned into the three monkeys. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. They intentionally set the record to have no record so that no good case law, no good arguments would be for there for the appeal, so there'd be no chance for the kids to win an appeal. Okay? So now I have to do personal restraint petitions to show and prove to you guys and the whole world that these people are pieces of shit. Okay? Now, either these attorneys are all really stupid. Ignorant of the law, too fucking lazy to do their job, or worse yet, folks, I believe that all of them participated in a conspiracy to do nothing. They sat in their hands on purpose. They did nothing on purpose. However, folks, the personal restraint petition law says that this stuff could be reviewed. These errors by all the public defenders and the trial court's failure to grant Mr. Ewing's numerous motions to vacate judgments and suppressed evidence obtained due to the illegal arrest and unlawful search of Catherine West, Miles Tejano Jr., Lewis West, and Phoenix West must be evaluated independently by the appellate court due to the constitutional rights at issue the right to counsel and the right not to be searched, folks. State versus Menegar, 53, Washington Appellate, page 257 at 261, 1989. Okay? I'll post this on the board. Folks, these people are criminals. Okay? And I'm going to show you... Um, let me... I'm going to... Uh, hold on a second here. I have to go to my my Gmail um, and pull a really good uh, case site off of an email that I sent regarding this personal restraint petition uh, case law. Um citing state versus McFarland and uh several other cases uh, bear with me a second here I gotta find this oh boy, I've got a whole bunch of emails set in the last couple of days, so take me a second here. I get so much junk email Ay, ay, yeah yeah oh man i got I got so much junk emails added uh where is this? Hold on a second. I'll find it. Uh, I don't seem to. See. I've got too many pages of it, so I'm just going to go down through my my brief here, and I'll find uh, a similar case to to say what I wanted to say. Um, so basically, folks, uh, Article One, Section Seven. What I'm arguing, Catherine West would be was illegally searched. Article One, Section Seven of the state constitution says no person should be disturbed in his Private affairs. Okay? And the authority of law referenced in the text is a warrant, State versus Ladson. I'm going to post that site on the board, folks, because State versus Ladson is uh, probably the most important and best pretextual stop case uh, in the state of Washington. And uh, basically, in that case, uh, two cops, a couple of cops, uh, found some black guys driving through a rich white neighborhood in Lacey. They did not do anything wrong, okay? They didn't run a red light. They weren't speeding. They were just a couple of black guys driving through a rich neighborhood. So, you know, these prejudiced white cops were jealous because the black guys had a better car than them or something. I don't know what their problem was. They're just racist bigot cops. Well, let's get them homies. What are they doing in our neighborhood? They gotta be drug dealers. So, they, you know, black guys, they pulled into an APM, you know, bought some pop and potato chips or whatnot. They get back in their car, and they drive out. Next thing you know, the lights come on. They're under arrest. Okay. The cops end up finding a gun, you know, and marijuana and money in the glove box. Yeah, we caught these homies. We knew these, these fucking, you know, they had drugs. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. What was the probable cause for a stop, folks? Okay. Uh, oh, expired tabs. Okay, folks. Expired tabs is a civil infraction. But guess what? How did they know they had expired tabs? You see, in Washington State, like most states probably, the tabs are color-coded and dated by the month. Their tabs were still good for the month. So there's no way possible that those cops knew that those tabs were expired unless they conducted a search, an illegal search, in violation of Article 1, Section 7. They did not have a warrant. Now, the the crooked prosecutors in Kitsap County, uh, Pamela Loginski, we call her the great white hippo, and Jeffrey Johns. These people, we call them the Kitsap County prostitutors because these people misstate the law. They misquote the law out of context. In fact, uh, they're responsible, Jeffrey Johns and uh, Pamela Loginski, the two criminals, members of the bar, they're responsible for the dicta to come out in a case called State v. Martin where the cops could run license plate checks because they wrote a brief arguing that the license plate was in plain view, that the police officers could run a warrant check. Well, folks, that's a misquoting of the case law, plain view. Let me give you a better example on plain view. Plain view is let's just pretend I'm a cop. I pull you over. I come up to your car in broad daylight, and I see a 357 on the front seat, or I see a pound of cocaine on the front seat. Okay, that's plain view. I saw it with normal naked human vision. Okay? Now, can anybody out there tell me with their normal naked human vision? They could tell me the name and address of the registered owner of your any license plate, any parking lot in front of your house or the grocery store. No, you can't see that with their normal human vision. So how the cops find out the name and address of the registered owner? They have a device in their car called an electronic mobile data terminal. Okay, by radio frequency and microwaves or wherever they do it, they send the signal to outer space in the satellite. Okay, now there's a case called State versus Young that held that the police officers' use of the heat infrared technology to see through the two foot two foot cement walls allowed them to see things they could not see with their normal human vision. Therefore, that constituted an illegal search because it was conducted without a warrant. So even if the cops find out that you have a warrant for your arrest or you failed to appear in court, folks, guess what? That's illegal. Okay? They could not find out about warrants until after they conducted a search. And you can only search incident to a lawful custodial arrest. You cannot search incident to what the law requires to be a lawful non-custodial arrest. Okay? So in other words... If you are stopped for speeding, running a red light, improper turn, not using your turn signals, the officer may arrest you. But this is how they're mistraining the cops, folks. They're not teaching the cops the difference between when they can arrest as opposed to when they can make a full-blown custodial arrest. But I think a lot of cops know this, that they just play stupid on purpose, and they know that the public doesn't know the law, and so they go ahead and conduct a search incident into every arrest even if they know they can't take you into custody, they conduct the search first. That's illegal, okay? They have seized you when the lights came on, okay? Here's a good case, folks. The officers had no knowledge of the outstanding warrants before the search, state versus rays. okay? So I'm going to point this, put this on the board so you guys can have this, okay? This stuff's important, okay, folks, for pretextual stops. If you've got a traffic case, and i got the case law that says it's supposed to be a felony, and I see somebody wrote that on the board. Okay, here's the next case. Accordingly, where an officer does not know of the commission of an offense in his immediate vicinity until after a search, the offense is not in his presence so as to justify an arrest without a warrant. We have had frequent occasion to point out that a search is not to be made legal by what it turns up. In law, it is good or bad when it starts and does not change character from its success. <laughs> State versus Miles. This is a 1948 case, folks. I mean, why do I have to go into court and teach these feckless, pettifogger, bar idiots? Why do I have to teach them the law? I'm sick and tired of having to teach judges and prosecutors the law. I'm sick and tired of having to teach uh, public defenders the law. There's the say, 29, Washington, 2nd, 921, and 930, 931, March 3rd, 1948. Okay? Here's another beautiful case, folks. You're going to love this one. The officer must have probable cause to arrest before commencing a search, which is also to say that the arrest cannot be justified by the fruits of the search. Justifying the arrest by the search and at the same time the search by the arrest just will not do. It does not matter that a defendant is not formally placed under arrest till after a search so long as the fruits of the search are not necessary to support the cause to arrest. Although an officer may search incident to a lawful custodial arrest, he or she may not search incident to a lawful non-custodial arrest. Where a custodial arrest is not justified, no warrantless search pursuant to that arrest may be upheld. As a matter of Washington's public policy, search improper where law required that arrest be non-custodial. Well, folks, let me tell you. Kitsap County Sheriff Todd C. Byers, an 80 IQ cop or less, dumb android, stupid motherfucker. And you guys can send this to the Kitsap County Sheriff's Office and tell them that I'm telling them that Todd C. Byers, Kitsap County Sheriff, is one stupid motherfucker. Okay? Um... they trained, they intentionally trained Kitsap can care shops to pretend to be ignorant of the law. Okay, folks. Case after case I'm proving that they had no authority to search Catherine West incident to what the law required to be a non-custodial arrest. Okay? Um, Patrick Knowles versus Iowa. Let me I'm going to do a, a quick search through my document folks let me read you this folks Patrick Knowles versus the State of Iowa wherein Chief Rehnquist delivered the opinion of the court which reads quote an Iowa police officer stopped petitioner Knowles for speeding but issued him a citation rather than arresting him the question presented is whether such a procedure authorizes the officer consistently with the fourth amendment to conduct a full search of the car we answer this question no once Knowles was stopped for speeding and issued a citation, all the evidence necessary to prosecute that offense had been obtained. No further evidence of excessive speed was going to be found either on the person of the offender or in the passenger compartment of the car. Knowles v. Iowa, 525 U.S. at 113, 114 and 118. December 8, 1998. Oh, boy, that's uh, I like one of my... Uh, Anniversaries for my birthday. December 8, 1996, folks, that's when I was born. Um, December 8, 1961. What what, what, am I thinking, 1996? Oh, where did I get 1996 from? Folks, that's when my driver's license expired. December 8, 1996. That's right, folks. I have not had a driver's license for about 18 years. Okay? So Patrick Knowles versus Iowa is now on the board. You put that together with State versus Ladson... Okay. Now, how is it? Seven public defenders hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, and CPS wins in every case. I'm going to be able to prove to you. I'm going to start investigating. I want people to tell people that are fighting CPS cases: hire me to be your trial coach, hire me, pay me a, re- a consulting fee to review your case. I'm going to create a new standard. Call it a Lewis Ewing, a Ewing curative instruction. I'll put together a curative instruction that you will file into the court and serve your attorneys, demanding telling the judge, I said, look, this lazy piece of shit is intentionally losing my case on purpose and allowing you guys to win, so I demand that you, judge, order the public defender to write briefs citing these cases, making these arguments. Otherwise, I'm going to sue him for ineffective assistance of counsel. (laughs) This is the real reason I believe that Nancy Tarbell and Hong M. Lee withdrew from my case, and Judge Hall allowed it. This is why Stephen Greer told me, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to represent your children to the best of my ability in the way I know how to do it. Well, i got news for you, motherfucker, Stephen Greer. He said I didn't have standing to sue him. Guess what? I found case law that says I have standing to sue you on behalf of my sons. And check this out, folks. I have found case law that says the children, once they turn 18 can go back and sue all the public defenders for ineffective assistance of counsel. So I'm setting the record now to show all the errors that the counsel met prior to the appeal being ruled on. (laughs) And I just filed this personal restraint petition that knocks their dick into the dirt. Okay, let me read you a Washington case that makes the Knowles versus Iowa argument. Once the purpose of the stop was fulfilled... By issuance of a speeding ticket, however, the trooper had no right to detain the car's occupants further, absent articulable facts giving rise to a reasonable suspicion of criminal activity. But a custodial arrest is not permitted for a minor traffic violation, such as speeding, if the defendant signs the promise to appear contained in the citation, State v. Heyman. Folks, State versus Heyman is the main case in Washington, which they decriminalized the traffic code and they codified State versus Heyman in two statutes the Arrest Without Warrant Statute ten thirty one one hundred and the traffic arrest statute forty six sixty four zero fifteen. State versus Heyman is the leading case for decriminalized Washington State's traffic code. So I'm gonna go ahead and post that site on the case, even though it's in this case that I oh, what happened to my my mouse just went crazy. Hold on, folks. Uh, got it. Um, I'm going to copy this, and I'll paste it on the board. Uh, there we go. Uh, copy. I'll post this on the board, and I'll finish reading the case quotation. State versus Heyman is a very important case, folks, for the decriminalization of, of, of you know, cops exceeding their authority in a traffic stop. Okay. Thereafter, after Cantrell signed the speeding ticket, Trooper Kershaw lacked the authority to take him into custody or to search him or the car incident to arrest, citing another case, State versus Feller. 60, Washington Appellate, page 678, 806, Pacific 2nd, 776, review denied by the Washington State Supreme Court at 117, Washington 2nd, 1005, 1991, and State v. Watson. Uh, folks, uh, I'm going to post these sites uh, even though they're in the case. That I will also cite, uh, put on the board because these are important to read separately uh, for the statements that are made within the quote. Uh, State versus Fellers now on the board. Let me grab um, the State versus Watson. Folks, I'm not an attorney. I never went to law school. Doesn't that make sense? How is it you should be thinking, well, how come Catherine West, public defender, didn't cite these cases and moved to suppress Catherine West illegal arrest and why did they why did the public defender get her to plead guilty to driving a stolen car when the car was loaned to her by her stepfather, Roger Gavel? See folks, Catherine West uh, adopted name is Catherine Gavel. Okay? You cannot be convicted of a crime for possession of a stolen car when somebody loaned you the car. It's in the fucking judge's bench manual. And I read this shit in open court, and all the attorneys are playing stupid. They're all not looking at me face to face. They were afraid to look at me in my face. They would not look me eye to eye because they all knew. They all were in on the conspiracy to provide the Ewing and West family no defense. This isn't just happening in my case, folks. So you need to help help people out there, hire me to review their case because I will be able to tell you all the flaws, what the attorneys are doing, and more importantly, to show you what the attorneys are not doing. Now back to this Kentrell case. The second problem with applying Stroud in this case is that the searches uncovered the marijuana and methamphetamine took place only after the trooper had obtained an invalid consent. Consequently, the product of the search is inadmissible as, quote, fruits of the poison tree doctrine – C. Jensen, 44, Washington, appellate at 493, citing Wong Son versus United States, State versus Cantrell, okay? 70, Washington, appellate, page 340, okay? Uh, or 853, Pacific, second, 479, June 17, 1993. Now, let's talk about officer safety, folks. Kitsap County has established an illegal policy of ordering you to get back in your car, And then claim, oh, but we need to search the car for officer safety. (laughs) What they're doing is they're misapplying the principles of Terry. Okay, let me read you guys the next case: State versus Mendez. Safety concerns and concerns for the destruction of or hiding of evidence are different when an arrest has occurred as compared to the present situation, a non-criminal traffic stop. See Knowles versus Iowa. Same. The driver of the vehicle in which Mendez was a passenger was stopped for running a stop sign. Such an infraction is not a criminal offense. Forty six sixty three zero twenty, City of Bremerton v. Spears. Legislature has decriminalized many traffic offences citing forty six sixty-three zero twenty. With these matters in mind, we conclude Washington's constitutional policy of greater protection to the privacy of individuals and automobiles than the Fourth Amendment provides must carry the day. State versus Mendez. Folks, now keep in mind, State versus Mendez and State versus Parker, both cases were passenger cases. Catherine West was actually a passenger. Miles Chihano, Lewis West, and Phoenix West were passengers. Apparently, the pussy cop, Todd C. Byers, was so scared of a woman outside barbecuing steaks. Now keep in mind, folks, you're going to laugh at this. Okay? Catherine West was barbecuing steaks at 3.30 in the morning. Okay, she's kind of dizzy, a uh, dizzy broad. Okay, uh, she doesn't have fucking common sense. What the hell are you doing fucking barbecuing steaks at 3.30 in the morning? Okay, that seems kind of strange. But when you look at it, from a neutral perspective, if your car is legally parked in a park that's not legally closed, okay, some parks in Washington, folks... Um, they have hours posted, and they actually lock the gates at night. And they have a sign-up saying nobody can be in the park after certain hours. There's other parks, like Horseshoe Park in Kitsap County, uh, that don't have hours posted. It's a 24-hour park. Anybody can park there. She was legally parked. She was cooking steaks for her sons who were hungry at 3.30 in the morning. So I could see these Kitsap County sheriffs. What's that woman doing? That looks like criminal activity. Hell, yeah. I don't see no a one She's cooking steaks, and she don't got no A1. That's a crime in Kitsap County. You can't you you can't be cooking steaks without A1. It ain't done till it's got A1. You're under arrest, bitch. Are you fucking kidding me, folks? Are the Kitsap County sheriffs sure so fucking stupid that they think they can arrest a woman for cooking steaks at 3:30 in the morning? Where's the RCW statute that says it's illegal to cook steaks in a public park? when you're legally parked in a park that's still legally open that's not legally closed. See, in Kidnap County, that's what they call Kidnap County, folks, CPS thinks it's legit because, well, there's three good-looking kids there we can steal. There's three good-looking kids we can sell and make money. And and we have a shortage of kids. We need to get as many kids as possible. We're going to lose our federal funding. So let's just make up probable cause when there isn't any. Okay. Let's talk about she's under arrest because they found out about a warrant for her arrest. Okay, here's another case. Furthermore, where individuals are arrested for driving with license suspended, there is simply no evidence of the crime to be hidden or lost. Cf. Knowles v. Iowa. The need to discover and preserve evidence is not present where defendant was stopped for speeding. No further evidence of excessive speed was going to be found either on the person of the offender or in the passenger compartment of the car, citing Knowles v. Iowa. This is State versus Parker. Okay, folks. Either all seven public defenders are stupid motherfuckers, lazy, worthless pieces of shit, or they're all involved in a criminal conspiracy to commit felony kidnapping of Miles Chihano, Jr., Lewis West, and Phoenix West. They're all involved in the criminal conspiracy to provide Catherine West, Miles Chihano, Lewis West, Phoenix West, and Lewis Ewing no defense because they need to make money stealing children. Not a single public defender raised a pretrial motion to suppress. Uh minor children are supposed to be home with three in bed. That would be true if they're at home with their parents. But you know what? Children can be anywhere their parents can be at any time of the day or night where it's legal, and where Catherine West was at Orshe Park, which was legally open at that hour, and legally parked and not driving, they had a right to be there with her, too. Children are allowed to go camping in America still. Sorry, mister, you're wrong on that one. Okay? Uh, What do you think people go to Yellowstone Park for? Okay? (laughs) Seriously. Okay? Uh, It's not against the law to go to a park and go fishing or camping or, or hunting you know, the children can be, if the, wherever the parents are legally, the children can be there too, period. Okay? So the search of Catherine West was accomplished without the benefit of a warrant. This court should begin its analysis with the proposition that it was unreasonable per se, State versus Parker again, folks, which held, quote, This is a strict rule, citing State versus White. Exceptions to the warrant requirement are limited and narrowly drawn. White 135 Washington Second at 769 and Hendrickson 129 Washington Second at 771. The state therefore bar- bears a heavy burden to prove the warrantless search at issue falls within the exception it argues for. Parker 139 Washington Second at 496. Okay, folks. Uh, generally, a warrantless search procedure is per se unreasonable. Coolidge versus New Hampshire. This is a 1971 uh US Supreme Court case. I'll go ahead and uh post this on the board. These are cases that apply to pretextual stops. Okay. Uh, let me scroll down and find another good case uh, uh about felonies, okay? Uh ta ta. Oh yeah, probable cause is evidence that would enable a person a reasonable caution to believe that a felony has been committed. State versus Smith. Well, it's a crime. It's a felony crime in Kitsap County. You can't be cooking steaks if you don't got no A1. That's our probable cause. What's Kitsap County Sheriff's so goddamn stupid? We're going to arrest you for cooking a steak without A1 because we're stupid in Kitsap County. Folks, I want you to call it to the Kitsap County Sheriff's Department and report them that Lewis Ewing is, is bad-mouthing, actually telling the truth how stupid fucking Kitsap County sheriffs are. That's the truth, folks. Kitsap County sheriffs are trained to be ignorant of the law. Trained to be ignorant of the law. Let me get the uh, Smith site. Um, For some reason, I grabbed part of the quote instead of the whole case. I just wanted to get the whole case. Uh, Probable cause is evidence that would enable a person of reasonable caution to believe that a felony has been committed. Okay, Um, Folks, not having a front license plate is not a felony crime. There was no probable cause to stop Catherine. But guess what? The cop, County Sheriff Dumpfuck, 80 IQ or less Android cop, did not ever stop Catherine West. Catherine West was not driving. She was legally parked. Okay? Probable cause exists when a police officer possesses evidence which warrants a cautious and reasonable person's belief that an individual is guilty of a crime. See State versus Knighton. Okay? Folks, not having a front license plate is not evidence which would warrant a cautious and reasonable cop to believe that Catherine West is guilty of a crime. Clearly, she's only guilty of a civil infraction. Guess what, folks? It was not even a moving violation. And the court is required by law to make a distinction between a regular civil infraction, such as a parking violation, as opposed to a moving violation, which would be called a traffic violation. Okay? Okay. There is a huge difference. Okay, and since you cannot be arrested and taken into custody for no front license plate, speeding, running a red light, improper turn, since you cannot be arrested and taken into custody for those minor civil, minor traffic violations, speeding is moving, okay, uh, they cannot. Conduct a search incident to what the law required to be a non-custodial arrest. Okay, a police officer must have probable cause that the person detained committed a crime, based on a totality of facts known to the officer at the time of the arrest. Well, she had a warrant for arrest. I knew that at the time of the arrest. Guess what? You didn't, Officer Todd C. Byers. You dumb fuck. You did not know that prior to the search. Prior to your illegal search, you dumb motherfucker. You know what, folks? You don't like me cussing and swearing. You can leave. I don't care. Okay? Uh, I have a right to be pissed. Okay? Uh, These people think they can get away with stealing people's children for not having a front license plate. They need to be lined up and shot. Okay? The evidence of probable cause must be at least as substantial as would support the issuance of a warrant by a judge. By a magistrate. Wong Sun versus the United States. There you go, folks. The leading holding case in the United States for fruits of the poison tree doctrine. Wong Sun versus the United States says, Huh, gee, Officer Todd Byers, could you appear in front of any judge in Kitsap County and say, Well, Officer, Your Honor, this lady, she's cooking steaks without A1. We need a warrant to search her. Oh. I'm I'm a stupid judge named Judge Hull. I find that's probable cause. That's a crime in Kitsap County. You're right, officer. She can't be cooking those steaks without A1 in Kitsap County. (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me, folks? Would a judge really issue a warrant to search Catherine West for evidence of a crime on the basis of her cooking steaks without A1? (laughs) That's how fucking crooked they are in Kitsap County. Kidnap County. Now let me read you the case, State v. Mance, which basically holds... They cannot change the probable cause, which is basically what they did in Catherine West's case. They changed the probable cause for, for arresting and taking you into custody from no license plate to a stolen vehicle and an expired warrant out of King County, which, by the way, folks, is two counties away. Quit being so cocky. Well, you know what? I'm not cocky. I'm confident. There's a difference between cocky. A Cocky comes, is somebody who overestimates their own abilities, uh, uh, who's not capable of doing what they say they can do. And um, that would be somebody who's arrogant, okay? But confidence comes from a long track record of success, of actually winning in court. And you know what, folks? Uh, make signals into you're serious or it's not. I'm being a smartass. That's pretty goddamn sure. That's funny. I try to do that because I'm, I'm the Jerry Springer, Vern Funk, and Howard Stern of legal advertising, okay? I want everybody to know this show. It's obviously I'm not a bar attorney. I never went to law school. I have never taken the bar exam. I do not have a certificate of brains called a law degree from the Wizard of Oz. I call it the certificate of brains from the Wizard of Oz. Okay? Jeez. Let me read you state versus Mance. Probable cause is determined by the facts and circumstances, quote, within the officer's knowledge at the time of the arrest, citing state versus Forey. 56 Washington Appellate 339 or 783 Pacific Second 626, 1989. Review denied. Probable cause cannot be supported by information police gain following an arrest. Citing Rios versus United States and Henry versus United States. Folks, this is what the moron Todd C. Byers, Kitsap County Sheriff, did. He gained probable cause by information that he gained following an arrest. Okay, let me post these sites on the board, the Rios, and I don't even have a dozen guests. You know, the fact is, uh, folks, most people, the law is just too boring. case sites, statutes, court rules. They don't want they don't want to hear how hard it is to fight in court. They don't want to hear how hard how many hundreds of thousands of hours it takes to read case law. They just want you to blow smoke up their ass and promise them you're going to win and tell them some bullshit, um, that you're going to walk into court, just tell them, I'm the man. I'm under the common law. My name's Dean Clifford. I'm not that person that you named in the, in the document. I'm the natural, living, breathing man. <laughs> okay, unless the judge sees that you're wearing a dress or can see a camel toe in your jeans, it's probably obvious that you're a man. <laughs> okay uh, who cares if you're the natural living breathing man that court has jurisdiction over you whether you like it or not I'm not subject to the statutes I'm above the law because I'm a sovereign citizen moron dumb fuck and that's what the sovereign citizen morons are folks they're beginners to the patriot movement who went to a law meeting, study meeting and they went to a seminar by Rod Class or Dean Clifford or Robert Menard or uh What's his name? Uh, the latest goofball. Uh, Carl Lentz. These people are fucking morons. They're scammers. They're what I call patriots for profit. I call these people patridiots. I combine the word patriot and idiot. These guys are bullshitters. Stay away from the morons. And folks, send me an email. I'll send you an email called Beware False Prophets. that gives you the names of all the scammers, con men, con women, snake oil salesmen, undercover government agents, Undercover government provocateurs, undercover IRS Snoops. I'll send you a complete list naming all the scammers in the Patriot Movement and Constitutionalist and Tax Honest Oh, the Tax Honesty Movement, folks. I got another email called Are all the Tax Honesty Leaders actually undercover IRS agents setting you up for a bust for income tax evasion or will for failure to file tax returns? Why does Larry Beecraft Hang around with all the Patriot leaders like Payman Matada and Bob Schultz of Give Me Liberty, give you know give me liberty or we the people. Folks, these people are undercover agents setting you up for a bus with the IRS. But let me get back to my show on the probable cause. State versus Mance. The police report sets forth the sequence of events. First, Mance was stopped and arrested. He appeared to be under the influence of some kind of drug. Then he struggled and spat out the cocaine. Because Mance was arrested before the police were aware of any facts that might have established probable cause to arrest for an offense other than possession of stolen property, the question is whether the police had probable cause to arrest solely on the basis of the hot sheet. If the police did not have any probable cause, the arrest violated Fourth Amendment guarantees against unlawful seizure, and any evidence obtained must be suppressed. See State v. Terrica. Overruled on other grounds by State versus McFarland, this is State versus this is State versus Mance folks. folks. How is it possible seven public defenders in Kitsap County did not know the law, were ignorant of the law, failed to research applicable case law? Not a single goddamn one of these lazy, worthless pieces of shit filed a pretrial motion to suppress on the grounds that the family court had no subject matter jurisdiction to take Miles Chihano, Lewis West, and Phoenix West into custody because they were passengers. Under State v. Mendez and State v. Parker, both cases lay out, there must be something more that would give the officers authority to arrest passengers. This is in cases in State versus Mendez and Parker where the cops actually stopped somebody who was actually driving. So there had to be reasonable belief. The cop was, well, I'm, I'm a pussy. My name's Todd C. Myers. That 12-year-old was going to kick my ass. He might have had a gun. He was going to shoot me. And that 4-year-old and that 6-year-old, I know they was hiding a 357 and a 48 magnum. They, they had an AK-47 hidden in his pants. That 4-year-old, 6-year-old, they look dangerous. They're Louis Ewing sons. They're kickboxers. They're probably going to beat me up. <laughs> I had to search him and arrest him, take him into custody, even though they committed no crime. Folks... These public defenders in Kitsap County are so fucking stupid. They didn't argue that under State v. Mendez and State versus Parker that as passengers, the officers would have to have something more in which to arrest passengers. They were free to walk away or leave. Okay? Catherine West, by law, is required to be treated as a passenger. Okay? There's a case called State versus Afana. Uh, let me, I'll get to do a quickie search, and I'll read you guys the quote. How is it somebody who's not a bar attorney can see all this stuff, but all the public defenders are hear no evil, speed no evil, and speak no evil? Okay? Let me read you the ofana case, citing the O'Neill case. that proves what I'm saying is true. In O'Neill, the court stated that where a vehicle is parked at a public place, the distinction between a pedestrian and the occupant of a vehicle dissipates. O'Neill, 148, Washington, 2nd, at 579. O'Neill involved a conversation between police and a citizen but did not follow either a parking or a traffic violation. O'Neill held that when a car is parked in a public place, occupants of the car should be treated as pedestrians for search and seizure purposes. Uh, folks, this shows you the public defenders are either really stupid, ignorant of the law, too fucking lazy to do their job or worse. The one that I believe is true. Okay? It may be a combination of all of the above, but I think the number one thing that's true is that they intentionally did not present a defense on purpose so that CPS would win automatically. And it's not just me, folks. They're doing this in every CPS case. Okay? State versus Afana. 147 Washington Appellate, 843 at 847 or 196 Pacific 3rd Reporter at page 770, December 4, 2008. Folks, I'm revealing a conspiracy here to do nothing. Okay? This is what happened um, in Catherine West's case. Okay? A conspiracy to do nothing. Okay, I'm going to... Um, I do a scroll here. I'm going to read you uh, a couple cases. Catherine West was their probable cause changed from the license plate to now a stolen car. Okay. I read this to the judge at open court. Your honor, your old judge's bench book says that you're not. If it's discovered that a car is loaned by a friend or a family member, it says the court should dismiss the charge. This is this is your instruction manual. You judges are supposed to follow what this book tells you to do. This book says that you're not when your question comes up before the court and you can't answer it, you're supposed to take a brief recess, go back to your chambers, pull out your judges bench manual, off the book and follow the instructions in this book. This is the judges bench manual for dummy judges who don't know what the fuck to do because they're too stupid. This is what State versus Clark says. This is the Criminal Case Law Notebook 2010 by Ronald Kessler at page 967, instruction for stupid judges. One who takes a motor vehicle with permission of the owner, then exceeds the scope of that permission, cannot be convicted of taking in writing. RCW 9A-56070, State versus Clark. okay. Let me give you guys the folks, State versus Clark, 96, Washington, 2nd, 686, 1982. Okay? Folks, are the public defenders in Kitsap County, are they stupid? Are they ignorant of the law? Are they too lazy to do their job? I mean, these bench manuals are available to all the attorneys. Okay? They're available to all the judges. Why didn't the public defenders raise these issues? I'm going to get to that. To prove taking a motor vehicle without permission, RCW 985607, the state must prove that the vehicle belonged to another, and conjunctively, and that defendant intentionally used it without permission. State versus Hudson, 56 Washington Appellate 490, 1990. Again, folks, Criminal Case Law Notebook 2010 by Ronald Kessler at 969. Uh, Ronald Kessler is a very smart judge. My friend Kurt Regan uh, compliments Ronald Kessler, uh, um, says his criminal case law notebook is an awesome notebook, and I have a copy of it. Thank you, Ronald Kessler. Okay? Um, And I'm going to show you uh, Stephen Greer, lazy, worthless piece of shit attorney. Instead of putting on a defense for my sons, whenever I made a motion in court showing how the state didn't have jurisdiction, Stephen Greer prejudiced the defense of my sons by arguing against my motions on behalf of the state. And that's the first duty. This is, folks, this is why you should hire me to do your legal paperwork instead of an attorney. Under corpus juris, I don't have the section in front of me. I think somebody cited it above. An attorney's first duty, number one, is to the state. The attorney's second duty is to the court. The attorney's last duty is to you. His duty to you is last. Stephen Greer argued on behalf of the state and opposed my emotions, and he said, Mr. Ewing, you don't have standing, and the children don't have standing to challenge the rest of Catherine White. This stupid motherfucker is a lying piece of shit, or he's ignorant of the law. Folks, I'm going to give you the cases that prove that Stephen Greer is either stupid, ignorant of the law, or a lying piece of shit. State versus Simpson, folks, is the case for Washington that shows that all three of my sons had standing to challenge the search of that vehicle. State versus Simpson, 95 Washington 2nd, 170 at 182 uh, and 191, or 622 Pacific 2nd, 1199, December 31, 1980. In that case, State versus Simpson cites the holding U.S. Supreme Court decision, Rackus versus the State of Illinois. Okay, I'm going to post that site on the board. And, folks, there's Ninth Circuit case law. Ninth Circuit case law that shows... Passengers have automatic standing to challenge their legal arrest. So guess what? The attorneys who are assigned to my sons, okay, and that includes Carrie Stevens, and even though um, uh, she's a very nice lady, um, even though she didn't participate directly in the conspiracy to provide my sons no defense, I believe she could have done a lot more, okay? I wish that one of the attorneys would say, fuck this, this is bullshit. Mr. Ewing should get his kids back. I wish the attorney would take it on their own and, and be honest and write a brief citing these cases I'm posting and say, enough of this nonsense, Your Honor. You know, Mr. Ewing's caught on to these, these, these other attorneys' scam. This is bullshit. Mr. Ewing's correct. Uh, Mr. Ewing's uh, should, the motion should be granted. You don't want to grant his motion. You grant my motion, Your Honor. I wish Carrie Stevens would do that. That would be nice. But she's probably afraid to do that because for fear of being disbarred. This is what all the attorneys face, folks. They're afraid of being disbarred because they're under a mandate to take in so many kids per quarter. This is how they all make their paycheck. So this website that I saw recently, the Fight CPS groups, and it says, beware of who you're hiring to help you and whatnot. Are they a government plant? Are they a government agent? Or is that person just ignorant, ignorant and so politically correct that they're ignorant that the attorneys? They think the attorney... You have to hire an attorney's member of the bar to help you. Folks, when you hire an attorney to of uh, the member of the bar, you're fucking stupid. They are the enemy. They are working against you. They are working in conspiracy with the court to help CPS win. They're putting on a dog and pony show and pretending to argue and fight with the judge. And the judge scolds him, threatens him with contempt of court, and then he sits down, well, he's the judge. He can do that. And in the end... CPS still wins. But you think, oh, God, my attorney, you really stood up to the judge. The judge threatened him with contempt of court. So you're, now you're no longer mad at the attorney. You're just mad at the dirty, corrupt judge. They planned this skit on purpose. Did you know the judges basically uh, uh, take go to acting school? They take acting classes? They're probably, I bet you folks, I bet you money, top dollar, you go down to your local Actors Guild, and you're going to find out that most of the people that are Actors Guild that participate in the regular plays and skits that go on are judges, prosecutors, and attorneys. <laughs> this is what's going on in court, folks. It's one great big play and a skit, and you're being screwed. Let me uh, give you guys some case quotes here to show that children, that passengers – see, State versus Mendez and Parker, which I cited on the board – shows there must be something more before you can arrest passengers. State versus Afana says when a car is legally parked, you're required to treat all the passengers as pedestrians. Here's a Ninth Circuit case, folks. A passenger may challenge a stop of a vehicle on Fourth Amendment grounds even if she has no possessory interest or ownership interest in the vehicle. So even though they try to claim that, well, Catherine West was driving a stolen vehicle, no, bullshit. Catherine West was loaned the car by her stepfather. Roger Gavel. Catherine West's real name is Catherine Gavel. Her married name is Catherine West, but her original name is Catherine Gavel. She was adopted by Roger Nancy Gavel. And even though she didn't have a possessory interest in that vehicle, she and my boys may challenge the stop of a vehicle on Fourth Amendment grounds even if she has no possessory interest or ownership interest in the vehicle. United States versus Garcia. Here's the post, folks. Folks, what I'm proving to you is that the attorneys are intentionally losing cases on purpose by purposely setting the record to show that no arguments, no objections was made. Therefore, you lose on appeal because you didn't raise these issues at at the trial level. That is a fucking scam, folks. These attorneys are criminals. They should all be prosecuted. They should all get a Nuremberg trial. They should all be hanged by the neck until dead. They should all be lined up to a firing squad by the Army, the Marines, the Air Force, and the National Guard because they know this. They know what they're doing. That makes them criminal co-conspirators to felony kidnapping. That makes them criminal co-conspirators to felony child stealing, felony custodial interference, and felony child selling. And because when they ship these children out of state, they're also violating the Hobbs Act. Plus, they're sending you letters in the mail, folks. Demanding child support. we has to pay child support. Now look at the bottom of your child support orders. It says it's based upon a finding of dependency. Those findings of dependency are based upon forged and perjured testimony. It's based upon ineffective assistance to counsel of attorneys, intentionally not making arguments that they should have made pre-trial and a pre-trial motion to suppress. There's another case, folks: United States versus Twilly. Okay, passengers, even though they possess no possessory interest. Okay. United States versus Rodriguez, United States versus Garcia. We got no less than 3 ninth circuit decisions that says passengers with no possessory interest in the vehicle have the right to challenge the probable cause of their arrest. Folks, we got big problems here. Okay? We have a criminal conspiracy by the Washington State Bar Association, the Public Defender's Office, and the Assistant Attorney General's Office to intentionally lose cases on purpose in facilitation of a mass, organized, legalized kidnapping ring. That's what we have going on. Human trafficking. These people send you that letter in the mail under the threat of, uh, if you don't pay the child support, we are going to suspend your driver's license, violate your right to travel. We're going to pull your fishing license. We're going to pull your hunting license, Um, any kind of business license you have, general contractor's license, roofing license. We're even going to uh, pull your passport so you can't go on vacation and travel anywhere To you pay us judges the extortion fee for child support. Now, all the judges and the attorneys and public defenders are making kickbacks off the child support. Did you guys know that? Did you know that the main reason why they give, the, most, in most cases, they give the custody of the children to the men instead of the woman is because, well, if we give the woman, she, she's unemployed, doesn't have a job, she's on welfare, we won't get percentage of nothing. Well, the man's got a good job, so let's give the woman custody, demand child support from the man. We'll get a percentage of his check. That's what's going on, folks. It's all to fill the judge's paycheck. Also, the assistant attorney general, like Peter Kay, can get overpaid way beyond his worth. And, you know, he's a worthless piece of shit. He's a lying piece of shit. He's unworthy and unfit to be an assistant attorney general. Kitsap County Superior Court Judge is unworthy of being a judge. He's not a real judge, Peter K. And you know why I'm saying, folks? Why no judge in this state is a real judge? This is a fact. This is a legal fact. There is not a single judge in this state that has a valid oath of office to uphold the valid Washington Constitution or the valid United States Constitution. The RCW Constitution is a phony constitution. It was never approved by Congress. Okay. We did not get admitted to the union based upon the phony constitution in the RCW. That's a fact, folks. Okay. Lloyd Smith, and I did the research, but Lloyd Smith is the one with rubber gloves on with the former uh, head archivist. uh, um, uh, uh, What's his name? Hastings. I'm trying to remember his name now. Um, The the main archivist, uh, Mr. Hastings, had been the archivist for 30 years. He told me and Lloyd that in the whole 30 years he'd been there, and the previous archivist had been there before him 35 years, nobody in Washington State had ever asked to look at the original constitutions. So he went and got the the box that contained the original so-called July 4, 1889 constitution. Took Lloyd Smith and David David Hastings uh, over four hours with rubber gloves on to peel the pages apart because they were stuck together because the the book had been closed and never opened and, and looked at for over 100-something years, okay? Lloyd Smith discovered that constitution, the phony one for the RCW, is laid out folio style. There's a blank page between the last page and the signature page of that phony constitution, which is absolute 100% conclusive proof as an offer proof under Evidence Rule 103, subsection 2, folks, that constitution is a fraud because nobody ever signed it. That's right. Their phony constitution was never signed, There's a blank page between the last page and the signature page of the Constitution. (laughs) And what even proves it more so that that Constitution was faked up 10 years later, Lloyd Smith found a notorial seal in the middle of that Constitution that was dated 1898. And Lloyd Smith also found by searching microfiches, okay, um, there's this two-volume book set written by Rosanel that talks about the Journal of the Constitutional Convention, and in the front cover, book cover, the paper cover, the fancy color cover that goes over those two hardcover books, it cites three Washington cases. It says the published newspaper articles are the law. They made a ruling since that the original journal notes of the Constitution were actually lost or never paid for by the committee. They decided that to gather up all the newspaper articles that that cited specific sections of the Constitution in the notes and journals that was published in the newspaper. They said that's the law. Well, Lloyd Smith found a newspaper article dated like, I don't know, 17 years later, I forget the exact amount of years, where it shows one of the delegates at the Constitutional Convention signing the Constitution. (laughs) Can you believe that? 17-something years later, one of the delegates who forgot to sign it is now signing it. Now it's valid. 17 years later, now the funny constitution is valid because we got this last guy to sign it who didn't sign it back then. They probably threatened to kill him or something. But here's the thing that's ridiculous, folks: if you sign a constitution 17 years later, not only is it not valid, but what even proves it's not valid is the fact that there's a blank page between that signature between the last page of that funny constitution and the signature page. So he's thinking, what the hell? I can't go to jail for forgery or perjury for signing this because I'm not signing a constitution. I'm just signing my signature page to a blank piece of paper along with a bunch of other dummy signatures that isn't part of the constitution. So I can't get in trouble because they can't prosecute us for signing, for signing this phony constitution because we never signed a phony constitution. We just signed a blank piece of paper called a signature page. <laughs> so all the judges' oath of office is actually a fake oath. That's a fact, that's a folks. They are using... A, a fake uh, uh, a fake Washington Constitution and the US Constitution in Washington DC folks I got more news for you Lloyd Smith uh about 2025 20, years ago ordered a certified copy of um the US Constitution from the National Military Archives okay uh, oh boy <sighs> it doesn't go past the 12th amendment That's right. It doesn't go past the 12th Amendment. Wow. We have a problem, folks. There's not a single judge in the state of Washington that has a valid oath of office to either the state or federal constitution. We are under martial law. Go read Chapter 38, RCW, Militia and Military Affairs. Okay? Um, we are getting getting screwed big time. And attorneys are the traitors. The attorneys are the traitors to our country. They sold us out so that we have one class of people making money off of and ripping off every other class of people. That's what we have going on, folks. We're all being scammed by attorneys. That's the bottom line. It's time to uproot the State Bar Association. We need to have an act to regulate the practice of law, make it so that anybody that passes a bar exam can now become an attorney. Um, then you have to go to the state and get a license. Okay. Then we're going to put in an act. Any judge, this will eliminate unnecessary appeals. Any judge who makes three or more rulings contrary to statute, court rule, and the clearly established public case law is automatically removed from the bench, Never be allowed to serve office ever again, and he loses all his retirement money. Guess what, folks? You won't have to appeal your cases anymore because the judge doesn't want to lose his job because he's getting a big, fat paycheck. Those those motherfuckers are all way overpaid, way beyond their worth. They're milking the public for retirement funds. You know, we need a separate retirement. We need to have a separate bill uh, called the One Pension Retirement Bill. I don't care what state employee you are. You can't change jobs and play hopscotch, musical chairs, musical judges, and, and, and then retire with five or six or ten retirement pensions. That's just fucking ridiculous. Okay? Uh, no. We're going to make it so that no matter how many times you change your jobs in within state government, you only get one retirement. Now, sure, if you get a pay raise, you get a higher-paying job, we're going to escalate your pension, uh, uh, the amount of monies that accrue towards your pension, for that time period and that time period only. But you're only going to get one pension when you retire from being a judge. That's what we need a bill to do, folks. Because right now the judges are being rewarded for being tyrants. They're being re- rewarded for screwing over the poor people. Okay, We're building more jails, and all we're doing is creating a debtor's prison, and then they let criminals go because they say, oh, no, our courts were so clogged, we, we, we violated... Bruce, Eric Smith, Thompson, uh, a, a rapist killer, uh, we violated his speedy trial rights. We had to let him go. So now we have all the judges and prosecutors uh, a and the public defenders and attorneys complaining what a travesty of justice this is. We need to build more jails. We need to build more courthouses because uh, uh, we had to let this criminal grow. Guess what, folks? When 50 to 75% of the daily population of jail is people that are in jail for driving without a $40 piece of plastic called a driver's license for which they weren't required to have in the first place, and then when their driver's license was suspended for failure to pay the slave fee to the master in black robes of treason for not paying an infraction, which is a bill of attainder, a bill of pains and penalties, okay, when you weren't required to have a fucking driver's license in the first place, okay, that's bullshit. Okay, we're we're jailing poor people. Okay, that's what's going on. We're creating a debtor's prison. Okay, we don't need to build more jails unless they're jails for judges. That's what's going on, folks. We need to build jails for judges. We need to build jails for attorneys. We need to build jails for prosecutors. Okay, Uh, I can prove to you, folks, go to my website, Look at the free flyers indexes, okay? You are not required to have a driver's license to drive your car. We've all been scammed. Everybody's been tricked. The state only sells commercial driver's license. I have a, a two different flyers. They're very similar. One's called no commercial driver's license required. The other one's called no regular driver's license required. And they both show you the statute And the judges will try to say, no, no, Mr. Ewing, you're talking about the commercial driver's license in Chapter 4625. The regular driver's license is 4620. Well, folks, don't listen to the judges. The judges are liars. Okay? They're not under oath. They're not on the stand. They didn't swear under the penalty of perjury. And even if they did, they would have immunity for committing perjury, just like the cops and the social worker do. The judges are lying to you because they have 280-something million reasons to lie. You multiply seven plus million Washington residents times a forty-five dollar driver's license. Uh, that's like, oh geez, that's like more than three hundred million. They have got more than three hundred million reasons to lie. Plus the reinstatement fees. It's easily over three hundred million dollars. Okay, uh, folks, you have a constitutional right to travel without a driver's license, but the statutes in my flyers clearly shows the state only sells commercial licenses. The case law in this state says when the legislature provides a definition, the statutory definition controls. Well, guess what, folks? The definition section in 4625-010 subsection 3 clearly states that the so-called regular driver's license at 4620 is a commercial license. Folks, you don't read. You're too busy watching Scooby-Doo, Final Four basketball, and so you think you can dance. Lewis Ewing reads law books because Lewis Ewing is a nerd. Lewis Ewing likes to read. I read comic books. you know, my dad used to get mad at me for reading comic books. My mom told me keep reading comic books. Thank God, I kept reading. Okay, get your kids off the video programs. Get your kids reading books. okay? Right now, most of you folks out there are incapable of reading. When you read, you look at the words like pictures on a TV screen. You do not understand the meaning of words. You do not have the understanding, the knowledge or the comprehension of what a word means, and I don't care if I'm pissing you off. Because when you read my uh, flyer, no commercial driver's license required, no regular driver's license required, my recreational vehicle flyer, which shows the statute that clearly states that if you're using your car for recreational use, such as camping, recreational, or travel use, it clearly states you are not required to have a driver's license to drive your car. I cite the original state constitution that says you have the state constitutional right to travel without a driver's license. But anyway, folks, I've gone over the hour tonight. I'm going to go sing karaoke tonight. I like to sing Elvis, Frank Sinatra, Neil Diamond songs uh, Friday, Saturday nights. Um, You can usually catch me at the porthole in Ocean Shores Friday, Saturday nights. Um, I like to sing. Um, Not much of a drinker. Um, I sip a beer, and I probably drink two or three glasses of water for every beer because I don't like to drink that much. And besides that, I don't believe in drinking and driving. I generally, i'm i a very safe person i generally cut off drinking an hour before i even leave the bar and i generally order a meal and even then uh, i'll have a chocolate milk and a teriyaki beef jerky waiting in the car so when i leave the bar i'm making sure my breath smells good <laughs> i'm a very safe person um anyway folks the show's over tonight uh thanks for coming out um come back uh um Next Saturday night, 5 to 7 for this show, Pro Se Winners, and then Friday nights, 5 to 7, CPS Exposed. And I'm going to reveal more criminality of the public defenders and what we can do about it um, next week. So the show's over tonight. Thanks for coming.